that should suddenly fix it. Oh, yeah. You sound much better now. Yeah. So uh, this can be the show. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> sure. All right. So I was on the wrong microphone when we started talking because the last episode I recorded on this machine, which is the 16-inch. I'm never going to get done calling it a 15-inch. MacBook Pro. Yeah, I know. Uh, was my two episodes ago with Casey Johnston, where at the end of the show, I switched live right in the middle of the show mm. to the built-in microphone to talk about, hey, well, or not both to talk about and to let, you know, what, what, what better use of a podcast is there to let the listeners of the podcast hear the quality of this supposedly studio quality mic. And so I did it and I think it turned out pretty well. Um, but the other problem <laughs> I wound up having, I don't know if you listened to that show, but I had to do like a little preamble before it because the whole show up to that point, which was like two hours long, uh, recorded through my usual professional Onyx blackjack, uh, XDR, whatever they call it. And this, uh, sure, whatever Marco recommended to me microphone, mm -hmm. uh, all had a bunch of static, not, and it was usable. And like filtering it, uh, you know, uh, my editor, Caleb Sexton, filtered it. And I think it was quite listenable, but it was obviously not the usual audio quality. And the worst part is I should have my friggin' head examined because the last time that happened to me was when I was testing the previous 15-inch MacBook Pro. <laughs> um... And my connection from the Blackjack Dingus... Uh, whatever it's called, the Onyx Blackjack. Yeah, Matt, yeah. Is a USB out. USB B. You know, the one that, that's the one everybody, yep. if you don't know. The printer cable. Yeah, the printer the cable. square one. Yeah, the square one that looks like a printer cable to a USB A cable. Uh, so to use that with a relatively new MacBook of any sort, you need a dongle. Mm. And. Last summer, I recorded an entire episode. It was the Q&A episode I did with myself with no guest. And I did the whole thing. And the static was so bad that it was unusable. But I, was, I felt like, well, this is the luckiest thing in the world. Because while I have to re-record this entire episode, I don't have to embarrass a guest and say, I'm sorry, but I need two more hours of your time and I need you to repeat mm -hmm. yourself. And I felt it came out better because I had never done an episode without a guest before. And I feel like I uh, did a better job on the second cut. So it wasn't a disaster, but the curious thing was that it, I, it wasn't like I used the same adapter, same cable and just plugged it in again and it worked. And it, so it, if you hear any static, <laughs> like, and the worst part was Casey and I had a bit of Skype problems and it was definitely Skype. I know Skype. I was hearing her staticky. Um, and, but she didn't realize that what you were getting was not a Skype artifact. Well, no, no, and only, only she heard my static because this is the what makes this problem so devilish is my headphones that I'm monitoring my own audio on right now as we speak connect to the blackjack. And so right. it goes from the mic to the blackjack to my headphones without ever touching the USB chain. Exactly. So your Mac is recording something bad, but you're not hearing it I'm, because you're on the right. on the mixer. Yeah, and mm -hmm. and she heard it, but we chalked it up to Skype. And since I was recording my own audio, it wouldn't matter. But and and turned out that I recorded all the static. So anyway, are you screwing with yeah. me? 
No, yeah, sorry. That was actually I. I have I have involved myself in so many podcast screw ups over the okay. years that I just am having flashbacks. Like I have a little catalog in my head now of like all the ways that a podcast can fail. One of these days, I'm going to like yeah. do a book or a video series or right. something where I'm like, uh, I, I've heard that problem. Yeah. Whatever it is, I've heard that problem. And one of the amazing things that I discovered is. There are some audio plugins that are obviously written for professional music people or professional video people or whatever um, that are really amazing, even if it ends up being not perfect. Like there's a D static and a D crackle and a D all these D clicking things that you could just run on audio. And I have rescued some spectacularly bad audio using this like it's like witchcraft, the software that pro uh, like pro audio plugins offer now. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, so anyway, I was so burned and scarred by that, and I was so paranoid that it was going to be unlistenable, and I'd have to either I would have to ask Casey to re-record or maybe just disappear from the earth and never do another episode of my podcast again. Um, but it turned out okay. But I was so scarred by that that the last episode I did with Matty Glacius, I used my old personal. 13 inch macbook that uses the actual cable mm -hmm. and i because i swore to myself john what you're going to do is you're going to uh spend four dollars and get a new usb b to usb c cable mm -hmm. so you don't have to have a dongle because it's clearly the dongle that introduces the point where maybe if the dongle isn't quite in the thing or the thing isn't quite in the dongle you know that that there's the problem and i'll spend money at amazon on anything on a whim <laughs> like if it just like a notion just pops into my head that i should buy a new whatever cable i'll do it and for some reason this cable which is actually essential to uh, half of my professional life i've procrastinated on and here i am talking to you through a dongle again but i did switch I, I to finally... a different i switched to a different dongle just in case that was the jinx I finally um you sound great from here so I think yeah, we're good. We're good. Um I I did I finally bought one of those. I bought a, the other the other month I was going to be doing some traveling and um and using my iPad for some stuff and you know with iPad Pro it's got a USB-C on it and I said you know what I'm going to do is any cable I need I'm going to get the new version that goes to USB-C with no dongle, just straight yeah. up like USB-B to USB-C yep. or U like a micro or a mini. I have all of those cables yep. now, which is great because that means I'm basically not using that dongle anymore. I'm just using the right cable now, which is it's better. It makes you feel better anyway to not have to worry about adapting anything. Yeah, I'm I'm working on a scheme, a personal scheme, like for a couple of years now, I've I've espoused. I've really enjoyed them and they've really made my life better is. Uh, Mono prices three and one cables. Have, have you ever seen these? Oh yeah, 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 right. So it's USB A, the the one that we know everywhere, the one everybody thinks of is USB on the end, and you plug it into anything. And then on the other end, its primary jack is a micro USB, and you think micro USB that sucks, but it's got two other little things. It's like a little uh, trident, and they're just like little rubber band type things, and you can put a effectively like a lightning condom on the USB micro USB, or you could take off the lightning and put a USB C on. And so it's one cable that goes to all three things. So you could charge your Kindle, which for me at least is still micro USB. I don't know if they've gotten 
it seems to me like Amazon is like all in on micro USB for some reason, but, um, and it's a great, great travel cable. It's not the prettiest thing because whatever you're using, there's something hanging off the side at the end, but it's super useful. And I buy them all uh, from Monoprice in black. And so for a while, if I saw a black cable in my bag, I knew it was that. The problem is that they don't make that sort of thing with USB-C on the other end. And now we're moving to the point where most of the things you want to plug the charging and, you know, into the power brick and need to be USB-C. So what I'm doing is working on a scheme. Uh, I'm buying these nice gray cables uh, from uh, Anchor. Not a sponsor. I'm just a very happy user of the Anchor various products. Uh, so I'm buying these gray cables that use like a threaded cable. You know what I mean? Like a, instead of a rubbery cable material, it feels like a nice cloth yeah. braided thread. Yeah, I like I like those too. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a nice dark gray. They're not black. Uh, clearly dark gray. And I'm using getting those... I've I bought two six footers and one three footer, and then that's all I need. And they're just direct USB C to USB C, and then there's no yeah. confusion as to whether it's lightning on one end, USB C on the other end. If it's gray and threaded, it is USB C on both ends. And then I also know it's not Thunderbolt three, which is the big, the biggest kick in the balls <laughs> it, that the entire industry has had in the USB era, is the fact that Thunderbolt. Looks Thunderbolt three looks exactly like USB C, and in fact will kind of work, <laughs> but it'll only work at a much slower than Thunderbolt three speed. Right. So anyway, that's my scheme for a travel bag is to buy uniquely like colored cables for each each thing. So black means my three way yeah. thing with the USB A on the end. Gray means USB C to USB C, and then white means uh, USB C to Lightning, and it's you know one of the Apple ones. All right, so you'll just not use the Apple ones if it isn't the USB-C to Lightning. For now, yeah. That's my new travel procedure. Right. Yeah, because that, that's what happens to me is then I pull out the uh, the white cable and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a Lightning to USB-C. And it's like, no, this one is Lightning to USB-A or it's USB-C to USB-C or something like that. And it's you're right, color coding is a good idea. Yeah. Oh, big day, Mac Pro. We've got a lot to talk about. We usually have a lot to talk about, but... Mac Pro. I was looking it up. You know, they were. It's been so long since there was a new Mac Pro, but the one that got me is not how many thousands of days it's been since the trash can came out. It's so you were there at that roundtable that yeah. was the you know no we really do like the Mac yeah and that was nine hundred and eighty days ago wow that is it took nine hundred nine hundred and eighty days between when Apple admitted that there would be a new Mac Pro design coming in the future. And it and, and uh, an shipping display. or them taking orders. <laughs> if they ship it in twenty days, they'll hit a thousand right on the nose. You know, I haven't seen when people. I haven't seen people tweeting about uh, people who've already ordered tweeting about dates. I have a friend who ordered a. Uh, I think he was like hitting reload because one of the funny, funny things is finally we still didn't even know when the hell it was going to go on sale. Then eventually, last month uh, at that pro at the MacBook Pro roundtable 
whatever you want yeah. to call the dog the and pony you, show thing, in New York. Yeah, the thing that you and I both went to in New York. You're right. right. Um, they said they they specified it like a little bit closer. They, like well, they said December. Like end of the year. No, they December. Well, <laughs> so we knew. It and, would then, be... and then on their website, they said this fall. So it was like, okay, well now it's like a 21 day window that right. it's going to fall inside. So then they said December, and then uh, I think Friday, no Saturday night, Saturday night of all times, they announced that it, they would go on sale on December 10. But they didn't even give a time, like. When have they not given a time? <laughs> right now, the Apple website is telling me that the base model delivers um, December 19th through December 27th. I don't know mm. quite what that range means, but they're going to get it under the wire. They're going to get it under 1,000 days since they... Just think about that, though. That's two years and eight months, basically, yeah. since Apple said there would be a new Mac Pro before that Mac Pro um, delivered. It's been yeah. a long, long time. Yeah. I have a friend who who was sitting there just reloading the page... Because he was afraid it would quickly get back ordered. He wanted the Pro Display XDR. Ah. Hello, Hunter. Uh, he uh, got a delivery window of December 18 to 20. Now, I don't know if you could still get December 18 to 20 as we record uh, low these five hours later. Um, but at least if you got one right away, the, the display is 18 to 20. So that's a long time. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny that this has all happened. I, I also think um, what's really funny about it is and I wrote a piece on Macworld last week about this, too, which um, I think offended some people. But that's fine. I, I, I knew that was going to happen. But, you know, one of my points in it was the Mac Pro takes on this outsized portion of our our brain power about the Mac. Right. Then how it's actually used, right? And, and you could say that that's partially because it's been so long, partially because it's a class of Mac that traditionally has been very, very popular with a, a broader swath of users than it's really targeted at today, which we could talk about. Yeah. But um, also that it's just, it's it's a symbol like of Apple's commitment to the Mac. And that meeting that you went to 980 days ago, like that was symbolic not just for people who actually wanted to buy a mac pro but like just to hear apple say yes we do care yes there will be a new mac pro we're not putting the mac out to pasture and and so we spend all this time talking about it and it's like most of us are not going to get one but it's still important well the other interesting thing about that roundtable in hindsight was that i don't think the word wrong ever came out of their mouths but it was it, it wasn't even euphemistic i mean uh like the I'm usually not even good at remembering quotes like this, but the Federighi quote at the meeting was we painted ourselves into a thermal corner, meaning with right. the trash can Mac Pro. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, effectively, they were admitting we made a we made a wrong bet on where the future of desktop power computing was going. And we missed out on the GPU revolution and how much the thermal uh, how much physical space it would need. For the cards, how much physical space it would need for the cooling, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. It was, you know, it, uh, sort of unprecedented. And it was true. You know, it's obvious. It, they made, they did make a mistake. And either they didn't care or they needed to course correct. And they, uh, they, you know, they said they cared. They said they'd course correct. And in terms of one generation to the next being different, uh, I would almost say this is a bigger bigger difference from the trash can than the trash can was from the quote-unquote cheese grater. I mean, mm. th this one, if you take the trash can out of history, you could see an evolution, right? But, but right. 
a, a natural evolution. You would think, oh, that's a natural one. Like in hindsight, when we go back, there's it would be you know like the, those uh, that iconic t-shirt design where it shows evolution and there's like a fish crawling out of water and then like a little monkey and then like a caveman and then like a Neanderthal and then a man. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, oh, you could see how we went from there to there to there to there. It would be like the trash can Mac Pro would be like if in between the Neanderthal and Homo sapien, there was like a frog. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck is that? And why is it in there? Or maybe a frog and- is unfair as a frog is too small, but it's it was like a, a I don't know, like a feral dog <laughs> or a greyhound, like a really graceful, beautiful greyhound. But it's like. Well, that's nothing like either of those things. That's really that's really bizarre. Um, <laughs> it's it really, but it, but because this is like a beefier version of the cheese grater, going from the trash can to this design, and its insane baseline specs and prices, right? I mean, just price alone is yeah is really unprecedented. Um, in in well, I mean, in it, history, it, it's it it is. I mean, not if you look at like. Uh, constant like dollar equivalents over time because right. I was looking it up like right. the the Mac Two FX was in in current uh, dollars like eight grand or something like that. Oh, like, I think it was, it was more than that. I think it was eight grand. Started, I think the Mac Two FX was eight grand in nineteen eighty nine dollars. Oh yeah, maybe you're right. It, it, it's the point is that that Apple has been selling high end uh, workstations. Uh, no, no, you're right. It was nine grand in 1990 when it was released. That's eighteen grand today right? right so like that was apple a base model sold redi- <laughs> that was the base model uh, apple has sold ridiculously priced computers right. it, it, it's true it goes back and forth the mac pro like so the thing that i keep saying that that some people get and some people don't is what's changed it, from back in the day when like i had a power mac g4 that was my primary computer for a long time and then i had a power mac g5 and that was my primary computer for a long time but there was an era where like Anybody who needed to do anything with any amount of stress on the Mac as a desktop would buy a tower because that was where the power was. And iMacs were toys. iMacs were low-end, super-compromised computers. Yeah. But over time, the percentage of the of that like Power Mac G4 market that actually uh, couldn't use an iMac, if this makes any sense, keeps getting less and less and less. Because yeah. like today, between the iMac, the iMac Pro, and the Mac Mini, they're so powerful that you can get something in one of those products that will, you know, it'll satisfy 95% of users, maybe yeah. uh, maybe 98% of users in terms of sheer numbers and not like the money being spent. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that the smaller percentages aren't important. But what it does mean is the Mac Pro... Apple has been very slowly, since the introduction of the Cheese Grater Mac Pro, and then with the trash can, and now, has been just ratcheting up the base of that computer and saying, this is really for pros. And, like, it's not today. Like, I remember when the Intel Mac Pro came out, and I remember when the trash can came out, that we had the same conversation, which is literally, Apple is kind of pushing the prosumer who just kind of likes to have a pro system kind of pushing them toward other products and saying, nah, you, you remember like the, the trash can, it was all about like, like biotech and, yeah. and uh, we we're going to be doing using these GPUs to do DNA sequencing and stuff yeah. like that. The whole message was not, you can do Photoshop on this because like the other systems were powerful enough for almost everybody. Yeah. So it's aspirational, but like, Apple has been pushing the high end, the Mac Pro up into the high end for like a decade now, at least. Yeah. The other thing is that 
in the earlier decades, it was a lot easier to understand computers in terms of uh, this higher end one versus a middle one versus a low end one. And you really could, uh, as just a basic enthusiast, right? The general public never, never really cared. And that's why they always bought, like, just bought the iMac, right? Why would I want to buy a separate monitor? I'll buy this adorable thing that's all in one. And they don't care about a G3 totally. versus a G4 or going back, but going back in time, it was always, you could just look at the CPU name. And when the 68030 came out in the back in the Motorola days of the eighties and nineties, it was way faster than the 68020s. And the 68040s I mean, was, were way that faster. That was the era where, where, where chip model numbers were put in the names of the products, right? right. The Quadras were right. 040s. And the, and the Power Mac G3 and the Power Mac G4 and G5, like literally it was, this has got the new chip in it. That's and why it's called this. The greatest, in my opinion, Macintosh of all time, the SE30. The 30 was because it was the yep. first SE with SE, you know, classic Mac style thing with the next 68030 in it. Um and then again, with the once they went to PowerPC, um, the initial ones, the power, you know, the initial ones were still sort of <laughs> named pre pre return of Steve Jobs, but mm -hmm. sixty one hundred, seventy one hundred, eighty one hundred. My beloved, my heretofore, I think I have a new favorite Mac ever, but perhaps my favorite Mac ever, at least dollar for dollar, was a Power Mac ninety six hundred that I bought right when I got out of college in 96 and it had been discontinued. It was the power Mac G threes had come out, I believe. And I got a 9,600 maxed out like with everything, like most Ram biggest drive at like an incredible discount over what it had been like a few months earlier. And it was my desktop for, a whole bunch of years and hmm. it never could there was an initial promise that that those 9600 class and back around there would i forget what chip it had but it was before the power pcs started calling them g3s it yeah was, it, it must have been an 040 yeah it was an 040 i think and uh there was a promise that mac os 10 would run on it and then they eventually dropped that and went like, actually, the baseline will be G3s when Mac OS X came out. But by the time I bought it with the promise that, hey, the future. Oh, so, so, it, was, so it was like a PowerPC, like a 601 yeah, or 601. something like or, that? No, 604. 604. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. It was the okay, the, the, cause, yeah. the highest. So it was a PowerPC, but not yeah. a but not a, uh... not a G3. Right, right. Because it, it was a Power Mac and not yeah. a Quadra. Yeah. You're right. So like the early Power But it wasn't in the Gs. And, and if you weren't in the right. G3, you weren't going to get to run OS ten. Right. But even before the Gs, G4, G, you know, G5, yep. uh, the 601 was like the first one. And then there were, I think there was a 603. Six oh three, yeah, and there was like a six oh three E too, and then, and then the, yeah, but. and then the six oh four was the best of the the those models, and that's what the that, my beloved ninety six hundred had. There you go. Never got to run Mac OS ten, but by the time Mac OS ten came out, I didn't want to put Mac OS ten. I wouldn't have installed it. <laughs> I wouldn't have installed it on that machine in two thousand and one anyway. So I was right, fine because with... at that point you needed the fastest possible Mac to run it very 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 slowly. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and I did, just didn't want it so. That was fine. It was right. a beloved machine, so, but so, it was very easy yeah. to know why I wanted a Power Mac 9600, which was like a super maxed out and very expensive for a kid just coming out of college. I forget what I spent. Sure. Like probably, I don't know, three, four thousand dollars, something like that. I don't know. But it was a lot. 
it was easy to tell just by 603 versus 604, you know, and you can't do that mm -hmm. anymore. It's, it's just not the, and it's been a long time since you could, you really, and you can't look at gigahertz and you know, it's, it's complicated, right? You can look at the like generation of Intel processor, but with the Mac Pro, it's the Xeons, which are different. They have a different profile. And then you've got Turbo Boost versus Core Count, right? And right. That, that performs differently based on software. That's something that happened right. in, about the time of the PowerPC transition, where the idea of multiple processors or multiple processor cores came in. And then it's right. like, you know, you don't even know because like if your favorite app only uses one core, then the fastest computer you can buy is not the fastest computer you can right. buy. Because, you know, it's faster because it's added cores and your thing doesn't use the cores. So there's no point. And you just want the faster turbo boost with the one core. And it's complicated, right? right. Like so much of it is is complicated and they kind of sand it off and just say, you don't even need to know. Just, you know, just don't even worry about it. Yeah. And so, you know, I grew up in that those decades thinking either either wishing I could afford the fastest possible Mac that, you know, whether it was called Power Mac or whatever the name was, at you know, at the time from the eight, even from the 60, you know, the Motorola days before that, wishing I could afford a Mac 2CI or uh -huh. dream upon dream, you know, a 2FX. I mean, I, I've told this story before. I don't know the SOB's name or if I did know it, I forgot it. But there was one guy in the Drexel dorms who had a 2FX. And and when we played Spectre on, in the dorms, uh, having a faster computer actually helped. And, and uh -huh. you know, and everybody, if, if you played Spectre, you know, you, everybody knew you'd turn on the, the vector style graphics, just outlines because it would speed things up. But this guy had a 2FX. So and uh, the worst part is in a, so he had a 2FX. That's, you know, good for him. He, you know, his parents had money. I, if I could have, if my parents had offered me a, a $8,000 2FX, I certainly wouldn't have taken it. The worst part is the son of a bitch was a cheater. And he went into mm -hmm. there was a way to go into res edit and uh, and set your specter config to have like illegal values. So you're maxed out on all three things. <laughs> it was like you had like I forget the three factors inspector. It was like uh, speed uh, shields armor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Armor. And there's like a firepower or something. I forget what mm. the third one was. But uh but you'd had you have to allocate stuff, and you could make a faster one, but then you'd have less armor, or you could make a more armored one, but then you'd be slower. And the son of a bitch made his max armor and max speed, and you could tell when somebody was cheating like that. You could tell with your eyes. Absolutely. Head. And the son of a bitch had a Mac Two FX, so he already had a leg up. <laughs> anyway, if anybody from Drexel in the or 1991, 1992 remembers that guy's name, let me know because I'll I'll air it out. I don't I don't take cheating. Uh, but anyway, it's, it. I see what you mean though. People identify with the fact that I, I want the Mac pro, whatever it's, you know, yeah. whatever it's called at the time. And now they and, feel, and I think, I think there's even also, there's the aesthetic, aesthetic thing, like entirely around, like there's first, there's my identity as a computer person. Like I'm a computer enthusiast who lived through that era. And so for me, having a tower, being able to change out, you know, change out video cards, being able to upgrade the processor, a lot of stuff, which by the way, nobody actually ever did, or very few people did. <laughs> right. it, was, it was, it was the theory that you could upgrade the internals, but most right. people didn't. And Apple realized that, which is why Apple makes computers now that mostly you can't upgrade the internals. And that's just how they have decided to do it. And I also get like, for some people, it's not just the nostalgia or the, the just the calming feeling of knowing that it could be upgraded later. Some of it is aesthetic too, which is like, 
I like having a big shiny tower and a, and a st- standalone monitor. I like knowing that I can replace the computer and keep the monitor or replace the monitor and keep the computer. Like I, there, there are a lot of intangibles going in here that I, I totally get why people are attracted that way, even though the, the truth is that for what they want to do, an iMac or an iMac Pro or a Mac Mini with an external monitor is probably uh, like more than they need. I get like, yeah, but... <laughs> I want this really cool tower. I totally get it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's funny though that that what I think is pretty good advice. You probably don't need a Mac Pro. Is like your most controversial Mac world <laughs> column in months. Well, yeah, I think my first my first headline that I wrote that I changed was uh, the Mac Pro is is really important and you shouldn't buy one. Yeah. Which is like I actually got somebody who wrote to me and he said, "Stop suppressing sales of Mac Pros. We need the Mac Pro." And I'm like, "Look, the people who are going to buy it are going to buy it. It's all the people who are like, well, I don't really need it." And that's like I I told John Syracuse about this and he and his response on on his podcast was, "Oh, I don't need it. I want it." <laughs> it's like, yeah. That's fine. Like, I totally get it. But it's like, I think for most Mac users, the Mac Pro is more important as a symbol. It's more important of being part of this kind of reattachment, reengagement Apple has been doing since 880 yeah. or 980 days ago, where they have done a whole bunch of stuff. And we're, we're seeing it now, and we'll still be seeing it next year, where they've kind of changed their approach and, and are uh, spending more time being concerned about the uh, the kind of pro end of the, of the market. And that doesn't just mean the Mac Pro. It also means the iMac. Mac Pro and the MacBook Pro and, and, and like other other Mac products as well. And that's what's, you know, it's important in that way, even if you don't end up spending somewhere between six and fifty thousand dollars on a Mac Pro. I think it still matters. Yeah, totally. All right. Now, in addition to not telling us when it would go on sale and then <laughs> when they finally told us what day it would go on sale, they didn't tell us what time. Right. <laughs> Now we know everything. Uh, mm-hmm. 10 a.m. Pacific, turns out. <laughs> uh, no, I think it was 9 a.m. Pacific. Oh, was, it ni- was it 9 a.m. Pacific? Yeah, All because right. I, was, I was taking my Middle notes. Eastern? Yeah, I was sure. taking my notes around uh, 12.15 here. So uh, I was but, still in my pajamas. That's yeah. what I know. But that's a, it's a little unusual because usually Apple is a 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern company. But, well, right. you know, they, they except when it's except when you're pre-ordering an iPhone, right. I guess. But right. yeah. But in addition yeah. to that, they never told us anything about any pricing other than base models. Right. <laughs> and the monitor stand. <laughs> right. And now we know exactly. it all. And so we have so much to talk about. But before we do. So there we go. That'll be a perfect, perfect topic. After, Fantastic. After I thank our first friend of the show. Who've been sponsoring the show now for quite a bit. And I like them a lot. They're a good company. Express VPN. I've tried ExpressVPN. It is exactly as easy to use as they say. You install it. You tap a button. You allow uh, one of those uh, config files to be used on your on your device uh, profile. And then, boom, all of a sudden, you can go on public Wi-Fi, like at an airport or a coffee shop or something like that, uh, or an airplane, and all of your network data is secure without slowing your internet speed. Why should you care about encrypting all your data? Well, one thing, privacy. It's often easy for somebody snooping on the network traffic on an open network to just see what's floating about. And sure, maybe a lot of your web traffic is over HTTPS, no matter what, even if you're on a public network, but some of it isn't. Uh, And they could just snoop right on it. There's even flaws 
There's one called Crack, K-R-A-C-K, that could exploit public Wi-Fi. A VPN protects you from all of that. Uh, if you ever do use like Wi-Fi at a hotel or something like that, you can tell you're on a public network. Like when you go to AirPlay and there's all these other people around. I mean, some of that could be Bluetooth, but some of that's just because every, all these people are on the same Wi-Fi network. The best way to ensure all of your data is encrypted and can't be read by hackers or snoopers is using ExpressVPN. All you need to do is download their app on your computer or your smartphone and then use the Internet as you normally do. You don't even know it's installed. You just click one button to have it turn on. And you just use it. You just use your, you know, check your email, use Twitter. You don't even know it's there, except a little VPN icon up in the top of your screen to let you, you know, let you know that you're protected. Uh, you can even use ExpressVPN to stream video content from other countries. There's never any buffering or lag because the performance is great. And you can stream in HD, no problem. It is the fastest and most reliable. They are recommended as number one by review sites like TechRadar and CNET. It's a company that takes privacy and security to the next level. They invented a technology called Trusted Server to ensure that VPN servers run from RAM with no data logs written to a server's hard drive, even by accident. Can't happen. If you visit my special link right now, this is for listeners of the show, expressvpn.com slash TTS. You can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. Support the show. Watch what you want and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash TTS. All right. So we knew the base model price. Five, six thousand dollars Let's call it $5,999. Did we know the Mac Pro rack price? The, the rack mountable I version. Don't it, think so. I think we just knew that it was going to exist. Right. And so... There's a for those you know and and it, this wasn't a major part of the WWDC announcement. It was there, and they had the rack mounted ones in New York for us to ogle, uh, ogle, ogle. What do you what is, how do you pronounce it? Ogle. I, I say ogle. I well, I'll go with your pronunciation. Ogle, last month, um, and I, I I immediately I looked at it. I was like, that looks great, and I turned around and I said, how much does this cost? And they were like, we're not talking about that. <laughs> uh, or maybe I even got like a we'll check we'll check and, and get back to you and they never mm, got back. We'll get to back you. to you, yeah. Well, five hundred five hundred bucks. That's the answer. No, it's fifteen hundred. It's six no, I've got Oh no, you're right. It's five hundred because it's I, I five, see they they I eyeballed it and the five on the five nine 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 screwed me. Yeah. So it's only fifteen hundred. There we go. Or five hundred, I mean. Five hundred bucks just to get it rack mountable. Yeah. I don't. It. It's and it's a completely different config. It's that's the thing is it's not like there's a conversion kit or something. Yeah. It's just like uh, ordering an iMac, whether you want the right. base mount or not. Like you right. need to order it right. with the rack mountable version, and it comes that way. <laughs> but still, that's cool. It's like the days of the X serve, right? <laughs> and the X serve raid. Right. You can put it in a rack now, and right. nobody like like uh, the the Mac Stadium people don't need to invent a right. mounting right. system for this thing. It's right. Apple is gonna if you want it with. With a slide it into a rack somewhere, yeah. you can just buy it that way. Yeah, I, I'll bet they're glad. I know, uh, you know, Brian Stuckey over there, and it, it, it's good timing that they've changed their name and merged and become Mac Stadium instead of Mac Mini Colo because uh -huh. these are going to be a big deal for them. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a really neat config, but I don't think, but I don't know that the technical specs inside are identical. I believe that they will be though. That they're, I think that so. the base model Mac Pro rack or whatever we're going to call it rack Mac Pro rack Mac 
pack rat, the rat pack. Mm. I don't know. Uh, is the rack pro. You just pay a $500 premium uh, just yeah. for the rack but, mounted version. But we don't know because it's not available yet, which means you can't click there and then price it and right. figure it. We don't know. Because it's not, not there yet. It's coming soon. <laughs> I think that's what they said. That's my notes. My notes say coming soon. Yeah. Uh, well, I laugh because, like you said, it's, you know, the Mac Pro was coming. Well, they never said coming soon, but, you know, we waited 980 days for any of this. Uh, who knows what coming soon means? Um, so here's the processor upgrade story. <laughs> First step up is $1,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's from going from, uh, so the base model is an eight core. Uh, the, Next one is twelve core. That's a thousand bucks. The sixteen core, two thousand dollars. Twenty four core, six thousand dollars. And the uh-huh. twenty eight core Intel Xeon W processor with turbo boost up to four point four gigahertz, seven thousand uh, dollars. Yeah, the thing that's pretty good. Pretty good deal there. You get, you get an extra four cores for just another grand there. So the thing, one thing I didn't realize, I don't know if you could know if people who understand like the Xeon roadmap was like, oh yeah, duh, that's you know that's the way it is. But you you need to get the twenty four core or twenty eight core ones, which again are a six thousand dollar or seven thousand dollar upgrade if you want to get the one point five terabyte of RAM option. Right, right. So to to pay twenty five thousand dollars for RAM, you need to first pay six or seven thousand dollars for processor. Right. So it, you know you're. It, I know. I don't know <laughs> what the correlation is between people who really need one point five terabytes of RAM and people who really need uh, more than sixteen cores. Um, but that's you know kind of a bummer. <laughs> and who knows? I don't know if that is a technical constraint. I would kind of hope it is, you know, that it, that that's the way these, you know, only those chipsets support that much RAM. Um, and it is a big jump up, right? So the first two steps, 1,000 and 2,000. And then the next one is 6,000. Going from 16 to 24 is a $4,000 jump, whereas adding four cores to go from 12 to 16 is only 1,000. Right. Uh, so if you're thinking, well, every four cores is 1,000 to go from 16 to 24, you would think it would be 4,000, but it's not. It's 6,000. So that sort of makes me think that those chips must be, they must be more expensive, and that's why they're the ones that support 1.5 terabytes. Right. <laughs> Memory. Now, this is actually, I, I spec this out. Uh, so the one everybody wants to know about is the 1.5 terabytes. That's $25,000 uh, upgrade. Um. 768 is 10,000, but if you get 768, but instead of using all 12 RAM slots slots for 64 gigabyte chips, instead only use six of them at 128 each, that's 14,000. So that's the, those 128 chips are the ones you need to get the maximum uh, 1.5 terabytes. So one of the things that stuck out to me is that the 1.5 terabyte option is actually a pretty good deal compared to the half as much using the same chips right so the it's like three grand right off the top there yeah but if you buy them in bulk yeah it would be you'd think it would be twenty eight thousand dollars you would just double the 14 but instead you only have to pay twenty five thousand dollars there you go what a discount you know it's a bargain (laughs) um 
I priced it out. So you have to to do the math and to be fair. Uh, it, it, they don't really tell you how much it costs for the RAM. It's all based on how much more it costs than the base model of 32 gigabytes. Right, right. Everything is beginning at, at fifty nine ninety nine, and yeah. and with 32 gigs of RAM, right. and then you adjust right. upward. And so when you go from 32 to 48, the plus $300 you pay for that, you're really only... You're, you can do the math. You're really only spending $300 for 16 more gigabytes of RAM. But if you're talking about 768 gigabytes or 1.5 terabytes, the, the initial, whatever the cost of 32 gigs of RAM doesn't, isn't really a factor. But if you look at the price per gigabyte over 32, the prices are actually lower for this Mac Pro than they are for the iMac Pro. There, it's you know it's close, but oh. it's about like my going down the list. I did the math here. It's and it it's oddly inconsistent. Eighteen point seven five dollars per gigabyte. Fifteen point six two five. Eighteen point seven five. Seventeen nineteen. Thirteen point six, and then the the big one is sixteen point six two dollars per gigabyte over thirty two. With the iMac Pro. The 64 is kind of a bargain if you go to 64 gigabytes on the iMac Pro. You're only paying $12.5 per gigabyte over 32. But then the next two options for the iMac Pro, 128 and 256, are 21 and $23, which is more than any of the Mac Pro configs. So, you know, they're not like really, they're not price gouging more than they do with the iMac Pro. Right, and I wonder if that partially is what uh, the configuration is in the iMac Pro, yeah. and if it's if the, you know they have they only have a couple of slots so that they have to fill them. I, I don't know, I don't remember all the details because that was a couple yeah. years ago when the iMac Pro came out. But um, you know, and it, it's it is fascinating to think about how they how they price all this stuff because on one level, you know, they're looking at the component prices and figuring up what their margin is. They're probably also thinking that. Um, you make a certain margin on the, you know, getting in the door with the Mac Pro, but then every step above that, you want to increase your margin or at least maintain your margin. And they they know that the higher end you go, probably the more um, you can afford to spend more money. Because um, this is this is a this is the thing when people are outraged. Like today is a great uh, the day that this comes out, a great day for people to be outraged by how expensive this thing is, and you can very easily price it up to fifty grand. But you know, in the professional workstation market like consumer consumer economics kind of don't apply it's a very different kind of game and so you know the the i would imagine that the uh, techniques you take as apple in terms of pricing this thing and figuring out what your profit margins are probably are a different kind of game than you would play with a consumer product yeah uh yeah, I would say certainly the so. numbers are different, but I would imagine that that like the margin calculations, because you know, on a consumer good, you're probably like, well, you know, above a certain point, we're going to just depress sales, and people are going are not going to want it, and so we got to limit what our maximum is, and we got to step that along the way. Whereas I look at this Mac Pro, and I think, you know, if somebody wants to buy 1.5 terabytes, let's uh, let's let's do it. Like let's make a lot of money from those people because they obviously money is no object to a certain point that they're, they're happy to drop 25 grand in order to get that Ram. So let's make a profit. Uh, yeah. I, I, but it, you know, but it's interesting to me that, it, you know, the dollar per gigabyte doesn't really go up exponentially as you get to the top. And in fact, goes down mm -hmm. a little bit 
the ones that are the worst deal are the 48 and 192. I thought it was a little weird that the the increments aren't in 32s. That instead of 32, 64, 128, 256, 512, 1024, those numbers that, you know, we've all just know the powers of two, it it's off. And it's because of the slot population, right? right? So right. all the all the all the modules are eight, sixteen, thirty-two, sixty-four, one twenty-eight. Right. right. But then it's like four of this one, six of this one, twelve of that one. Well, all of the configs are either six six of this one or twelve of that one. They're all either six or twelve. Half the slots filled or all the slots filled, except for the base model, which is four. Yeah. And so my question is, and I don't know the answer. I tr- actually tried to research it today and came up short because I'm so far out of this world. Is I have no idea. Since you can use four, and then you can use six, can you also use eight if you yourself go out and buy the RAM and open the case? You know, do the thing. You know, because who doesn't want to? If you get it, you got to open the. Even if you don't want to add RAM or anything, you got to open the case and just look at it, right? So right. if you're going to add RAM yourself, can you use... I mean, of course you have to have even pairs. You're not going to be able to put seven chips right. in there. But could you f- make an eight-chip config yourself or a ten-chip right, config? They're not selling eights or eights or tens here. Actually, this goes back to Apple's pro- um, margin on these things, too. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a calculation, right? right. Is This is an extremely upgradable, expandable computer. So... At some point, the convenience of getting it pre-populated with the RAM that you want um, is going to be outweighed by uh, overpricing the RAM. Right. Because unlike other Apple systems that are out there, it's going to be real easy to install more RAM in this thing. And presumably, third parties will sell you DDR4 ECC memory for not cheap, but for maybe cheaper than Apple if Apple marks it up too much. So that's, you know, that's kind of fascinating. Like, do you buy this with 1.5 terabytes of, of RAM in it? Or do you say... You know, I'm, uh, let's wait and see what that market bears. Because if if you could get that yeah. uh, those twelve one twenty eights for twenty grand or for fifteen grand yeah. instead of for twenty five, maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Well, and let's face it, I don't expect this machine to be updated in a while, right? The Xeon and the Xeon chips just don't get updated in a long time. The iMac Pro still hasn't gotten an, a CPU update, and that's two years old. And it's not. Yeah, it's not for a lack of. Uh, Apple's effort, I don't think, uh, from everything I I can see about the market, it's because there's no Xeon class chips that would fit in those thermal constraints that have come out right. since then. Um, and I think, given their newfound commitment to the pro market, which I think is sincere, uh, I think as soon as those some Xeon chips that would make for a nice update to the iMac Pro, I think soon thereafter, iMac Pros with them will come out. And I wouldn't be, even be surprised if... If the iMac Pro is the first machines to come out with them, uh, it would wouldn't surprise me. Also, because the um, I know we're going to get to the Pro Display XDR later, but one interesting quirk about it is that iMac Pro is not supported by that monitor. So it yep. may be a thing where you would think at one point Apple is going to want to do a processor update, but also yep. a graphics card update, so that they can yeah. sell an iMac Pro that'll work with the Pro Display XDR. Yeah, you would definitely think so. Um, so. You know, I I think that's coming, uh, but I don't expect this machine, this initial new Mac Pro, to be updated in quite a long time. I mean, you know, maybe a year if everything goes great and Intel gets their act together and has a solid roadmap. But I I wouldn't be surprised if it goes more than a year. Um, 
And that's just the nature well, and- of these chips. And so what I'm what I'm trying to get to when we're talking about RAM is uh, 12 months from now, this might still be the Mac Pro and the market price for DDR4 ECC RAM might be significantly lower and it would might make a lot more might make obvious sense to just buy the base model throw out just take out the 32 gigs they give you throw it out and put your own 12 128 gigabyte DDR chips in there for less than $25,000. I think there's a good um question about how this how this ages because it's so modular that you know Apple could keep it you know keep it as this configuration for a long time especially if the Xeons uh, that just you know they're they're relatively young and there's not going to be another generation for a while and they just kind of keep them in there. But if new graphics cards come out, yeah, you know if 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 any of the other details, if they release yeah. another, you know they do a different kind of afterburner card or or something like yeah. that, like they can add pieces to the configurator without like changing the computer, but it it becomes over time it becomes a different computer, yeah, or changing the base model. Uh, and right. I, I expect them to do that, actually, because they have shown in the past two years, they have shown a willingness to upgrade machines uh, mid-cycle with just graphics card updates, right? MacBook Pros got uh, build-to-order graphics updates. Uh, was that – it was a year ago, right? It was when they held that event at at Brooklyn, at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. They, you know, quietly announced uh, – and I say quietly, not because, you know, people use that word in the press to mean semi-hidden. It wasn't something they were trying to hide. It just wasn't part of the show because they were wanted to talk about the new MacBook Air that was finally Retina, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the announcements that day was that they had, like, new build-to-order options to get faster Radeon graphics and MacBook Pros without any other updates to the machine. So if they'll do it for MacBook Pros, why wouldn't they do it with the Mac Pro? Yeah, exactly. They they've shown everybody got really um upset when the MacBook Pro went what, a year and a month between updates, but like they have shown that on average as this annual processor update cycle uh happens, they are throwing updates in. That's part of that guarantee or whatever the promise that they made 980 days ago, and I think they've delivered on it. So I would imagine that as new tech happens that will be applicable for the Mac Pro, they'll stick it in there. And the beauty of that is that because it's a modular Mac, they don't need to qualify it as a new model. And right. You, right? All they need to do is say, oh, new graphics card came out. Here's the Mac Pro configuration. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Right. And then that's it. They don't need to say, yeah. please wait three months and then we'll introduce a new 2021 Mac Pro. Like they don't have to do that. Right. There's certainly things that people can complain about, which primarily like starting price for this Mac Pro. But one thing that I, I can't see how anybody could deny is that when they said 980 some days ago that it would be a modular design, this is a very mod. This is the de- I, I don't see how you could hope for a more modular design. It, it it's yeah. arguably more modular than any Mac has ever been. Any Mac. Um, yeah. So, all right, let's go on to storage. They've got four storage options today. Four, 20, 256, one terabyte. That's a plus 400. Two terabytes, plus 800. Four terabytes, SSD, 1400. Uh, the eight terabyte, this is curious to me because you can buy a MacBook Pro, a 16-inch MacBook Pro with eight terabytes today. But you can't. It's marked as coming soon for for, for the Mac Pro. I that's that seems odd to me. I, I mean, 
I, 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 you know, I don't understand. You know, I'm sure that there is a perfectly reasonable operations explanation for it. And, but anyway, those upgrade prices, given the starting prices, um, are very much in line. They're exactly the same. They're not charging more for SSD storage on the Mac Pro. So based on the price of the MacBook Pro, we can I, I would bet money that the upgrade price to get the eight terabyte will be plus twenty six hundred. And that's Yep, that, makes makes sense. That's a lot for I think if the, that's a lot for a, a disc, but it the there eight terabytes of SSD is unprecedented. The Apple said a month ago when they when they introduced the sixteen inch MacBook Pro that as far as they're aware eight this eight terabyte SSD drive is the first in the industry and nobody else right. has denied that since so it's you know the best in the industry yeah if there's a if there's a criticism that i understand about the mac pro it's that some of its specs are actually lower than the base model imac pro for the yep. same price or yep. for for a thousand dollars less actually and the, yeah. the ssd is the example like the yeah. imac pro ships with a one terabyte ssd and this thing starts at 256 <laughs> and the 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 argument i've gotten and, and i think it this is why they did it this way is a lot of customers of this product don't want a large amount of internal SSD because these things, a lot of them are going to be put in places where they're going to get wired into a giant storage network and they don't really need internal storage for those because they've got high-end pro storage that right. they're attached to. Right. And so they're like, okay, you don't need to buy it with a lot of storage. A regular standalone person, a uh, uh, an independent filmmaker who does all their work on one of these and is going to put it on their desk, they're they're... They might need more storage, although even then they probably well, got a high-speed storage solution of their own. Just looking at, at the Twitter feed today from our, you know, mutual friends of ours uh, who are developers uh, who are in the market for it, because developers clearly are people who can take advantage of this. Compiling stuff in Xcode takes time, and sure, <laughs> as everybody knows, if they know any developer friends, if you're writing in Swift, which a lot of developers really like to do, uh, but it takes more time. <laughs> it takes a lot more time. <laughs> And you're sitting there waiting for every time you make a change. You got to sit yeah. there and wait. It's a huge productivity suck. It it, it really is. Uh, I actually have experienced this in the last week or two myself. As uh, there's this app that my friend Will Haynes has made called Katoba. It is. Uh, 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 I don't know if you. Know, I linked to it a while ago, but basically, it's a little. It's an iOS app um, that uh, lets you. It's a dictionary app for iOS. And it's very simple interface. You do lookups, but the right. trick is is that the dictionary it uses is the built-in iOS system dictionary, the New American Heritage Dictionary and the New American Heritage Writers Thesaurus, and any other system dictionaries that you're allowed to that you can download in iOS when you do a lookup in any app. Um, it's not available in the App Store because there's an App Store rule that you can't use the system dictionary to make a dictionary app, and you might think, well, that's a strange rule, and I don't know the reason for the rule, but I strongly suspect it's the the obvious one if you think about it, which is that they got a better licensing deal from New American to include it than they would have if they didn't include the rule that you can't make a dictionary app, that you can only use it for these lookups. But it's a great yeah. app, and uh, Will Haynes is working on an update to it, and a uh, friend of the show and your mutual friend, uh, Craig Hockenberry, he of the 
the very large fleshy palm has been contributing uh-huh. to it. We've got a great update in the works. Anyway, you, you get it on GitHub. It's open source, so we can't put it in the App Store. Um, but we can make it open source, and you can download. But anyway, I've been uh, I haven't contributed anything other than my interface feedback. But to play along and to use it, I'm you know playing along and updating it via Git, pulling down changes, compiling it, and installing it on my iPad and my iPhone and stuff. And so I know how slow <laughs> Xcode can be for what is truly a very small app. It is a really, 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 really small app. Because the bulk of it is the the stuff that's the built-in dictionary panel and stuff like that. It, it's slow. Uh, and that's for a really, really small app. And I even know – the other thing too, I noticed the difference going from my four-year-old four uh, 13-inch MacBook Pro to this 15-inch, 16-inch uh, – there you go again, 15-inch – 16-inch brand-new MacBook 15 Pro. 15 plus one. Yep. It is. It's. It's the. It's one of the few things where I really notice. Holy crap! This thing is much faster. Like the two things where I notice it are launching apps cold. Where at this point, the 16-inch MacBook Pro, when you launch an app, it's like I just launched the uh, the official Twitter for Mac app today to see something, and I was like, holy crap! I didn't know I had that running already. But it wasn't running already. It launches so fast that it it's indistinguishable to the naked eye from an app that that isn't running. Xcode is one of those things. This is a very long aside to say developers want definitely might want the Mac Pro. And if they do, they're they're not going to want 256 gigabytes in their startup drive. I mean, I, again, I'm with you. I don't th- I think it's right yep. that the base model offers it because I think there are use cases where that makes sense and it doesn't make sense to charge them a $400 premium to start at 1 terabyte. But basically, I, and I think you've made the same point, but I'll make it again. If you're going to use this as a personal workstation, whatever your use is, visual effects, high-end photography, video editing, software development in Xcode, you don't want the base model of anything. There's no base. Yeah. The base config isn't good for you in any way, it's, and including storage. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the 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 processor might be the memory uh, could be the graphics card could be graphics card could be graphics card storage i'd say very clearly like that base storage is not a real number in fact other than that they want to be under six grand the truth is that that should be a minus 400 off of a base price of 63.99 because the truth is if you unless you're plugging it into a storage network where you have very large high-speed storage elsewhere and you're just using it as a boot drive uh you you don't want a 256 ssd yeah. like you or or you're buying or you're installing a raid like there, there are raids available for this thing where you can plug in four spinning discs and have a fast raid internally like but if if you're just going by the internal storage 256 is not enough so if you're if you're that person um you're gonna be adding on just at, right out of the gate let me revise my my comment i don't think that it, i think you're right Gra- in fact i know someone who just ordered one today uh who did get the base graphics because what he does isn't graphics related at all so graphics is probably one where a lot of developers in particular might be just fine with the base graphics. I, you may not want to upgrade everything from the base model, but there's got to be something. There's something that's the nature of your work that you need more than the base model. And I suspect for almost everybody, RAM is part of it. I mean, 32 gigabytes probably. is table stakes these days. Um, it's possible the processor might be 
it's something you could deal with, but it's hard to say. But something yeah, it depends on something. on depends on what you need. I mean, it, yeah. I, my feeling. So I bought an iMac Pro two years ago, and um, I bought the base model, and I had a bunch of people like you know Marco was talking about how you know the ten core is the sweet spot, and I, I think James Thompson got the ten core, and you know, but I got the base model, and my reasoning was I barely need this computer, right? Like so for me, it was I do enough with the audio plugins and stuff where I. I can, and I've been very happy with it. I use an iMac Pro, but anything beyond this is like I was already pushing it. Like this is no no yeah. further. And I can see a lot of people who look at this. I mean, we've been talking about how how high the base price is, but there's going to be a lot of people in there who's like, I really want it. It's already overkill. I don't need to kill it anymore, and yeah. the base is fine for them. But I think a lot of people are going to be who who really have those higher end needs are going to do just what Marco and a bunch of other people we know did two years ago with the iMac Pro, which is start to do the math of like adding these cores and what's the best like landing spot in terms of price and performance as you add cores to whatever it is yeah. that you do in your job. And they they may you know I don't know what the answer is going to be, but I would imagine in the next few weeks we're going to have somebody say you know the twelve core is really where it's at. Or the 16 core and and you know we'll find out that but for there's going to be a big chunk of people who are like look (laughs) i already shouldn't buy this computer so i'm going to get the base model but maybe not the storage (laughs) don't don't do the don't do the 256 ssd there's nothing worse than buying a six thousand dollar computer and then not having enough room to put your software on it because the ssd is too small don't do that (laughs) it's It's, yeah all right next step apple afterburner uh two thousand dollars I don't really know what the hell this thing is. I know what it does. It's, you know, like for vector computation and stuff. It sounds fascinating. I yeah, can't this is wait the, to see. I feel this like this is like is... the ProRes video encode. So like yeah. I, I was watching MKBHD's video today and he said, you know, I don't work in ProRes. I'm working in this other format. And so f- I haven't tested this yet. So it's like a very much a, like an Apple Final Cut Pro workflow of like you're using ProRes, which was which is super intensive. And this is a, uh, a programmable card, right? That's one of the things we learned in June is that, you know, theoretically, this could be programmed to do other things. It's basically a programmable card that's been programmed to be this ProRes thing. But like, if you're a video pro who has a ProRes based workflow, you plug this thing in, and your life is better. That's basically the story. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait. I feel like it's the sort of thing that can make for some great demos. I can't wait to see what people do with it. Yep. Um, Two thousand bucks. Yeah, there's uh, going to be somebody out there who do, who has. I haven't seen it yet, but there's going to be somebody somebody out there with a ProRes workflow who's going to yeah. say, "Oh, this used to take ten minutes, and now it takes yeah. one minute or whatever." I, yeah. I also think this is the sort of thing too that we'll get because it's all Apple technology. Apple's got like complete control of what's going on in here. It's not up to Radeon and AMD, and it's not up to, certainly not up to Intel. So I think with Apple's internal chip team. I wouldn't be surprised if the Apple Afterburner card gets updated on a 12-month basis like clockwork, you know, that like the way the A-series chips do. And that for $2,000 next year, there'll be an Apple Afterburner card that like doubles the performance or something, you know, like that. Um, and it'll still be $2,000. And the software side of it is intriguing because it's programmable. So it could also be right. that in six months right. or a year, they come out right. and say the afterburner oh. can also yeah. do this other thing if you want it to. Mm-hmm. And you just run this software and it reprograms the card. Yeah. And so it's the exact same. Exactly. That's the programmable nature of it. And so like the MKBHD thing, like maybe it, you're using some other format other than ProRes and all of a sudden, Oh, well your format now can encode 10 times faster too. 
Uh, huge, huge potential upside there for video people. Uh, and who knows what other use cases. Yeah. And then, oh, here we come to my favorite. <laughs> Feet or wheels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's, so the, the, here's the best part. Here's the best part. The wheels are not like casters that you stick on the bottom, which would be cheaper, <laughs> you would think. This is, again, just like we were saying about the rack mounted, <laughs> like there are two stainless steel frames for the Mac Pro. There's the one with feet and there's the one with wheels and you have to pick. And if you get the one with wheels, it's an extra 400 bucks, which is $100 a wheel. You called it. Um, I want to applaud you for doing this because you did the what's the over under and what's it going to cost. And I always say, find out what you're willing to pay, uh, then push it up to where it's going to be painful, but you're willing to pay it, then push it up from there and then round it upward. Mm. And that's what Apple will charge you for whatever it is. And it's $400 for the wheel frame. Right. So my, uh, uh, my guess, and you know, you could say, well, I guess three ninety nine. That was my, my guess. So what I did Uh last night on Twitter is I thought it'd be fun. I like to gamble and, uh. And when you gamble on uh, football and basketball, a lot of times you can bet on what's called the over-under. And the mm-hmm. over-under is there's a number. And for a football game, let's say it's 46 points. And if you bet the over, you're betting that the combined score of the two teams will be over 46. And if you bet the under, you're betting the combined score is under. Uh, so the over-under on this would be – I set the over-under last night at 349. And I think I – didn't, I didn't do it as a Twitter poll because – I use Tweetbot, and most of my friends either use Tweetbot or Twitterific, and third-party right. see, clients we can't see polls, can't see them. And Twitterific does some really clever stuff to identify if it thinks it's a poll, and sort of redirects you to like a web view so you can do it. But I just I, I'm not into the poll thing because it's not available to third-party clients, and so I don't have an exact answer. I probably should have, you know, when I have done polls in the past, I say <laughs> I say to help my friends, my fellow Twitterific users. Um, this is a Twitter poll. Go look at this tweet in, in the web app. Yep. Uh, I should have done that to see what people bet. But eyeballing my replies, I set the over-under at 349. And I I think the under one. Most people seem to be betting in the $200 range for a set of four wheels. And, you know, there were others who were over, but... And then I tweeted again and said that was just where I set the over under to try to get people, you know, you set the if you're the bookie setting the number, you don't want to you don't put the number that you think it's going to be. You put the number that you think will get half of the people to bet under and half to bet over and you the bookie come out ahead because if you get half on one side and half on the other, you collect a vig, a 10% vig from all the losers and you don't have to pay a vig to the winners. That's how the bookies come out ahead. So generally that number is close to what they think the actual over-under will be, but it's not necessarily the same. So my over-under was 349 to try to get people on both sides guessing on Twitter, but my, my guess was 399. So I was almost spot on. Yeah, I think so. And, and uh, I think you did a good job. I think you set the over-under pretty well because I think there were you – know, actually, you could have even set it lower, I think, because I think there were I, really two, two – uh, uh, schools of thought on this, which is it'll either be not nearly as expensive as you think, or way yeah. more expensive than you think. That's you know, basically it. You know what? You're right because I just talked. I just proved I was right when I explained how it works. Because I, I really do think there was more action on the under, and so I should have set it lower. Probably like two ninety nine or three hundred. Three hundred would yeah. have been the number. The thing I forgot, yeah. I forgot that build to order options are not 
99 numbers. They're even zero zero numbers so that your config ends up with a 99, right? So if right. you, if you upgrade the Ram, you pay an even hundred some dollars or I, what am I talking? Thousand some dollars here. And if you upgrade the, the storage, you end up with another thousand dollars. And then the end price is still 52,199, not 52,192, which would be gross. Who wants to buy a $50,000 computer that ends in 92? Yeah, uh, no, no kidding. No kidding. It, it, also, it's the great psychology of saying, well, yeah, I know, but it's not $53,000. Yeah. yeah. So how did I guess? How did I guess three ninety nine? I Number one, it's like your thing about what do you think you want to pay? Uh, <laughs> and then make it more painful, crank yeah, it up it a little bit. Painful. And then there was the question I asked Jaws on stage at my live talk show earlier this year. How much are the wheels going to cost? <laughs> I mean, what really is a perfect wheel worth? <laughs> How many do you want? I mean, yeah. <laughs> How many do you need? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'm imagining that they're very nice wheels. I was really sort of hoping that the hand... If, if there were wheels in the hands-on area, I missed them. I really I wanted to sit there and... and there was one, and uh, uh, there are installment plans available. <laughs> for wheel purchases. We all save up. <laughs> all right, so... Jaws's answer played for laughs there. Sure. And it was all good we, fun. Is it, no, knowing laughs, though? Knowing laughs, right? Right. <laughs> right. And, you know, but that's that's the genius of a guy like Jaws is he knew they were going to be expensive. And maybe they didn't have a price yet. Maybe they didn't know exactly. And it wasn't like they were trying to hide it. But he knew that they were building really, really nice wheels. Like... Like, people laugh. Like, I have friends who, who don't really follow closely. Uh, like my friend Lee from Hopsing Laundromat, who doesn't even use a Mac. He uses an iPhone. But he just stays tuned to, like, social media. And, like, at the end of WWDC week, he, like, texted me. He was like, I, he was like John, are you kidding me that they're selling a $1,000 monitor stand? Mm-hmm. And I was like, nope, not kidding you. Like, somehow news of that leaked out to, like, the real world that Apple was selling a $1,000 stand for, yeah, my daughter did the same thing. She yeah. came home from school one day and right. was like, really? $1,000 monitor stand? I'm like, yeah, well, it's complicated, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But it's not <laughs> It's not like just some, you know, stick with a screw on the end of it. it, it I, I suspect, given Apple's regular margins, it really is a $1,000 mechanical device. You know, yeah, that, it's it's super, I mean, arguably over-engineered, but yeah, it's engineered and it locks in horizontal and it locks in a separate vertical where it raises up and then it won't go down. Like, it's, yeah. it's, and it won't it's let, seriously it, engineered. Right, and it won't let you rotate the display if mm-hmm. it isn't high enough for the display yep. to go from horizontal to vertical orientation. Uh, you know, it's all it, true. And so I, but, I, I do yeah. think that these are $400 wheels. I really do. Now, it, are there a lot of people who have a use case for this machine where having it on wheels is what they want who would be much happier with lower grade wheels? Like, let's just say the wheels from like an Aeron chair, uh-huh. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, who would be much happier just putting $100 set of wheels on the same Mac Pro? Yeah, I think there's a lot of them. I mean, did Apple need to make 
super premium $400 wheels. No, but you know, I think they're thinking, well, you're spending $6,000 for a computer. We're going to make the wheels not look cheap because right. that's also, it's Apple, right? But it's also, we got this beautiful stainless steel frame and the beautiful aluminum skin, and we're going to make these awesome wheels. Right. I had, uh, for my Power Mac G4, I think, I had a thing that was basically like a Lucite uh, skateboard with essentially air on chair wheels on it in order to make it a wheeled configuration. And I, I use those wheels all the time to move it around in my, you know, when I was you know uh, it was like in my closet and i had to pull it in order to pull it out in order to install things in it and stuff like that so i can see the need i will also predict now that somebody probably 12 south yeah <laughs> will have <laughs> add-on wheels for yes. the existing configuration that will be that yes. will cost quite a bit less than 400 dollars. yes i think... won't be as nice but will be nice enough as an aftermarket thing and that if you really don't care about how nice the wheels are you just want it to wheel it around there will be some sort of third party sets of wheels for $129 or something like that, that you can safely secure, you know, maybe like with a skateboard. I don't know. I mean, you don't really, does anybody really care? Um, (laughs) But there you go. $400. Yep. Yep. For the wheels. Uh, It was funny. Did you ask, I remember at WWDC asking in, you know, I, so the best was that clip I played where, you know, I asked Jaws on stage and he couldn't really no answer out of it and he handled it brilliantly but i remember asking privately hey how much do the wheels cost you know like talking you know like in the hands-on area after the after the right. keynote and they were <laughs> they i forget what they say they have like the best non-answers they're like we're not talking about pricing today something like that pricing for the wheels yeah today. i i love it when you ask a question that's off the script and you and and these poor people who are generally not like the super high test uh marketing people right they're people who've been conscripted to do the demos and they've been trained on what to say and they're they've got like a patter that they go through and then you ask them a question that's totally off the script and they get this look like not it's not just i don't know the answer but it's like oh if i say something wrong here they're really gonna get me (laughs) oh well you know and then they they brush it off and and you move on uh so, the highest end configuration you get if you max everything out. Uh, oh, the other thing we should talk about is with the uh, before we go on to this is with the graphics. There's two coming soon graphics cards. Right. And I don't know what they're going to cost, but I asked, I double checked with Syracuse, and he said they, you know, they're they're the caliber of card that would slot. They're not like all the other coming soon stuff is like the highest end config, like the 1.25 uh, gigabytes of of storage, the rack mount instead of the desktop mount. Uh, these aren't high end configs. These are like above the base model, but below the current first upgrade level of the Radeon Pro Vega 2. And that makes sense if you just look at the amount of RAM on all of these cards. I don't know anything about modern high-end video cards. But the uh, first two upgrades are 32 gigabytes, uh, and the second two are 32, are two by 32 gigabytes. Um, so if you just go by how much RAM is on the card, it seems pretty clear these would slot in below. And Syracuse estimates that they'll probably maybe be like a thousand dollar update, or maybe you know like eight hundred and sixteen hundred or something like that. So that there's a, a much smoother continuum between the base model and the first current first available upgrade for graphics card, which is twenty four hundred dollars, which is pretty significant for one tick up on the graphics. 
Right, right. And this is this is actually an announcement on today, to December 10th, that they announced this. There's actually an AMD press release about it. So they... I did um, not notice. Coming, yeah, but, but uh, not available yet, but coming soon. Again, whatever that means. I also think for everybody who's following John Syracuse's odyssey of having a cheese grater Mac Pro for 10 years and waiting for this model so that he can buy one, um, my understanding is that this is the the graphics card that john wants yeah so so just uh, keep deferring <laughs> i guess well and again it also comes in with the with what does coming soon mean right like right coming soon january 1st because that might fit very closely with when syracuse was going to order anyway because he's not really a order on day one he's a He's, he wants to sit on these options for, you know, uh, at least a couple of weeks and maybe, you know, see what happens. He, uh, he said on the show, maybe, you know, let people, early adopters get them and see if they're actually as promised before he puts his money in. Uh, I mean, honestly, he seems a little tight with his money, if you ask me. Uh, well, I think he should have bought a 5K iMac when it came out oh, five yeah. years ago, and he would have been using a modern Mac for the last five years. Exactly, right. He's, he decided to wait and is still waiting. <laughs> his inability to compromise is, is admirable in some ways. It is admirable, uh, yes. It, it's right. what makes him who he is, right. and that's why we love him. All right, and so, for example, he's not going to compromise by getting a better video card for $2,400 that he is convinced he doesn't need, and it's probably right. Uh, even though he's been waiting 10 years <laughs> and the cost of that $2,400 upgrade that's available today versus what he could get if he waits is probably, you know, like $800 or something like that or $1,000. And if you amortize right. that over <laughs> 10 years, he's been waiting. It sure. comes out to pennies per day, but he'll wait. Anyway, the max out config you can buy today Uh is $52,199. And if you add the 8 terabyte SSD that is coming, which I think will be $1,200 more than the, the current price, um, you'd get 53399 But that does not include wheels. <laughs> and again, yeah. I'm yeah, laughing. I've, I, I'm I've laugh never bought a car that expensive. So, I'm yeah. laughing. I'm laughing, but I, I don't think it's ridiculous. I'm glad Apple's making a $54,000 computer. And, you know, in, in, in other industries, not computer, but like, you know, if, if you're in like construction or something like that, buying uh, uh, tractors or, or, or construction equipment that costs $50,000 uh, is a no brainer, right? I mean, um, I, I was reading, and I'm not surprised by this. I'm not surprised at all that you know some people who are outside of the uh, the market for pickup trucks uh, just have no idea. But a lot of people uh, who have pickup trucks are super serious about them, and they use them in really serious ways. And you know, this is in the context of reading in the context of the Tesla uh, uh, Super Mega Cybertruck. Um, People who buy trucks spend a lot of money on them. And it's, you know, it's one of the reasons that the car companies, if you watch sports, you know, like spend an awful lot of time advertising pickup trucks, which is a relatively mon small part of the market overall, um, at least in like an urban area like where, where I live. Um, but it's because they're super people are they're willing to spend a lot of money on them. Construction equipment, all sorts yeah. of industries, medical equipment, right? Like how much do doctors pay for high end diagnostic equipment? Uh, you know, why shouldn't people who spend their time in front of a, a workstation computer be able to spend that much money on something that's central to their work? 
Uh, so right. I, I it's laugh. Not, it's not a luxury product in that way. It's a luxury product if you don't need it and you want to buy it because it's cool. But if you're somebody who is in a high-end professional production environment where they're spending, uh, you like the camera, you're not going to even buy a camera. You're going to use your phone. But if you bought a camera, it would be a $1,000 camera or a $2,000 camera. Well, right. they're they're buying a camera for $80,000 and they're buying right. a lighting rig for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And right. like they're buying a storage area network and installing it. And that's going to cost them tens of thousands of dollars for them or hundreds of thousands of dollars for them a fifty thousand dollar config of a computer is not a big deal it's not like that money is play money but it's like they're in the context of a much larger business that has a lot of expensive equipment because right. that's their business yeah and i also think that in the context of that like some kind of high-end 3d uh imaging dingus you know like for like uh, oral surgeon or or you know, any kind of doctor who needs to see inside your body and has this high end thing, you know, that maybe it does cost uh, $400 just to get the same thing with wheels. I, I don't maybe I, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's even more in some cases because they're even less price sensitive than computer right. people who seem to, you know, who know the price of individual video cards and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And if there's a smart person negotiating on the other end of the line for that, you know, for that uh, production house that's going to order yeah. 15 of them, uh, they're going to say, you know what, I'd like the wheels, but I'm not going to pay for them. Let's, you know, I'll buy another one if you throw in the wheels. And there's probably negotiation that actually happens at that level anyway. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's take a break. and I'm going to thank our next sponsor. And oh, I cannot wait to tell you about them. Linode. Linode is a hosting company, dedicated CPUs, distributed applications, hosted services, websites, CI slash CD environments. Uh, they've got a $20 credit for all new customers. All of their options feature native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, industry-leading processors. Pick from any of their 10 worldwide data centers. You can pick one close to you. You can pick one in your country. They have a new one in Toronto for our Canadian friends who might need for legal reasons to keep their data in country pay what you use with hourly billing across all plans and add-on services uh guess what daring fireball itself for the last month maybe even to the day nope i think it was i think it was i forget what day in november we switched it over but it's close to a month uh jason even knows about that a little bit because i had some movable type uh -huh. <laughs> hacking that was involved uh daring yeah, fireball. all three of us in the movable type community heard about that <laughs> daring fireball itself is now running on linode after uh i believe 13 years at my previous host uh it was a long time and oh my god am i happy with it i knew i would be but it just shows how nuts i am that i procrastinated on this until i did it is fantastic it is so so you, the the reader of Daring Fireball, probably don't notice any difference, although you might. But Daring Fireball has always been very fast to load because it's very snappy. But from my perspective on the back end, dealing with movable type, something some things that have been very slow are suddenly instantaneous. It is tremendous. I attribute it to the SSD storage. Everything is great, though. It's got They have a great, great control panel. Uh, they call it cloud.lino.com, the cloud manager. Really, really great. Uh, just everything about it. And it's so cheap. I'm <laughs> that part of it is that this is, so, I'm, I'm so much happier as the person using my site hosted on this server. Uh, but I'm, I'm saving, uh, uh, my bill, my monthly bill for hosting during fireball has gone from around $550 a month to like $80 a month. 
So I'm saving yep. like puff. <laughs> I could buy a Mac Pro maybe by the end of the year, just based on the money I'm saving. Uh, no, I guess not, but I could come close. But it's it's just it's so much less expensive, a so much better interface for me in every single way, and just a really modern hosting environment that I could not be happier with, and it's just so snappy. Ah. Whatever you're doing, my needs are pretty simple. Your needs might be more complex, but anything you need, uh, it just it, they've got it. They have a, a RESTful API for developers who really need to hook into the back hosting backend, and they have a, an officially supported uh, Python command line interface. And they're hiring, by the way. Just go to linode.com, L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash careers. Now, here's the call to action. 20 bucks credit when you use this promo code, TALKSHOW2019, T-A-L-K-S-H-O-W, 2019. Visit slash the talk show. Couldn't be happier with them. 20 bucks credit. They start at five bucks a month, so you can get four months free. Four months free. Uh, I, let me take a break here and tell, it, it, while we're on it, just segue right into this. <laughs> Basically, the problem I ran into is I have never been able to post emoji to Daring Fireball. Uh, and and then I figured out while we were testing it that I could. It just wasn't the emoji that I wanted to use. And <laughs> it is it was it was a days long saga that getting movable type up, you know, moving the database from the old server exporting it, importing it to the new one, getting movable type mm -hmm. in. My friend Ryan Schwartz, who helped me with all this, he's a professional sysadmin who I've known from my joint days, got it all up and running on the first crack, and uh, it was beautiful. But except the one thing I said, well, here's the thing. One of the things I wanted to fix with uh, uh, moving this is uh, I want to be able to put emoji in my posts. And when I've used emoji in the past, because I can't put the literal emoji characters in and have them go through, is I have had to translate them to HTML entities. And HTML entities are ugly anyway, but like multi-byte Unicode ones are really ugly. They're like eight-character hexadecimal strings wrapped in the H, you know, the ampersand and the, the semicolon at the end. Uh -huh. And so there's no human readability to them at all. Uh, a days-long saga, and basically it boils down to this. <laughs> MySQL, which is the database I'm using, and which is the database that I think movable type, which is really outdated and old, but rock-solid and stable, works best with. In MySQL, the text encoding for a, for a table that they call, quote, UTF-8 is not UTF-8. <laughs> It is a subset of UTF-8 that only allows you to post UTF-8 characters up to three bytes. And most of the ones that we think of as emoji, the modern picture ones, like martini glasses and all the, you know, not to mention the combining character ones, like so that you can put a thumbs up and change the color of the skin um, to varying, you know, or to, to put a couple holding hands and make it two women or make it a, a you know, a woman of color and uh, a, a Hispanic colored skin looking woman. Uh, all of those fancy emojis to, wouldn't, don't work with MySQL's UTF-8. What you want 
if you want full U- UTF-8, is UTF-8 MB4. And the MB4, I guess, stands for multi-byte four character sequences. But that also works with the ones that are multi-character sequences, combining characters, as I said. Um, the problem is movable type works with the UTF-8 encoding, but it doesn't work with UTF-8 MB4 because it's just like newer than... It, it, I don't know. There's no. I, I. I don't want. I don't know what the reason is, but the bottom line is, and and the thing is, movable type has gotten so old that it is really hard to Google for anything with it now, which is really strange because I, I'm. I've just been starting to find that where I used to be able to Google for uh, tag references and get movable type answers, and yeah. something happened recently where the the reference site for that has been downgraded, and yeah. now it's much harder to find references. It's yeah. really, really hard, and that's crazy. It's as if that software is old and out of date. <laughs> yeah, but it's strange because other stuff that's old and out of date is still easy to Google for, but movable type it's stuff true. is not. Uh, and so it's hard to even Google and get an answer and find get someone to just say, you know what, don't don't try using movable type with UTF-8 MB4. It just doesn't work. Um, right. And so the answer, and here's the curious thing, is I talk, this is where Jason Snell gets roped into it and, and <laughs> our mutual friend Greg Naus. Um, or is it Knaus? Nos. Nos? Knaus? Just Nos. Greg Nos. Like Boss. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who might be the, the best living movable type expert. Uh, he is the world's foremost authority on movable type right. at this point, yeah. Six colors can and has been able to just paste just put raw emoji into like titles and body text for a while. And so it's proof proof that it can work. And the long story short, the answer is that it all just works. If you set the table text encoding to Latin one, which is an old, like before Unicode single byte text encoding, meaning it only had two. the single byte means there's only 255 characters. And most of the, a lot of them in the lower range aren't really even characters. They're contr- weird control sequences from like 1972, uh-huh. <laughs> like Bell. <laughs> yeah. Like Bell. Yeah. 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 Anybody on Apple II knows all about Bell. Control yeah. G. Come on. Yeah. yeah. You type Control G. If you don't remember, you type Control G, which was the Bell character, and it didn't display anything. It just played a sound. <laughs> By it just type. beeped. Yeah. It's ASCII, ASCII 8. Right. Is, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a beep. Yeah. So a lot of the... and. Uh, <laughs> So how does that make sense? How does it make sense that using the Latin one text encoding allows you, which was, you know, last uh, created in like 1985 or 86 or something like that. How in the world does that allow you to post emoji characters that are just coming out, you know, like last year or or a month ago when iOS 13.2 came out? And the answer is because it was a single byte text encoding, everything that comes in is not really encoded as characters it's just a sequence of bytes and if a 1013 bytes come in in a certain order and the 1013 bytes go out in the same order it'll all just work and if those bytes yeah. come in as properly formatted to utf8 it doesn't matter what mysql thinks of it just stores the bytes in order and then it comes out and if everything is configured to treat everything coming out as utf8 it all just works and there's probably developers out there screaming their heads off saying 
<laughs> oh my God, that's, that's a nightmare. But the solution to my problem was literally by switching from MySQL's UTF-8, which isn't UTF-8, <laughs> to Latin 1, which isn't Unicode at all. Oh, and now our it, computer's great. <laughs> it all just works. Now, I know, I know a lot more about text encoding mismatches. Like when in, back in the day, you will remember this for sure. A lot of people listening will. But Windows and Mac had different text encodings. Oh, yeah. And... and uh, so Max was called Mac or in English and, you know, there was Mac Japanese and, you know, but it, the problem was they were all single byte. Uh, I don't know. I guess Japanese couldn't have been. I don't know how the Mac Japanese encoding worked now that I think about it. But uh, the the for English language, Roman uh, Latin language speakers who use the alphabet, we think of the Mac Roman text encoding was what we used. And it was totally different above the first 128 ASCII characters than the Windows one. And the Windows one, this is the where it gets really complicated, is there was Windows Latin one. Windows Latin one was different than like the ISO whatever Latin one, but only in a, only in a handful of characters. <laughs> I got really, really good at dealing with those problems uh -huh. because it was super, super common when I was doing graphic design back then where you'd get copy from a client and it was, you know, uh, they were using PCs and then all of a sudden it, it was super helpful to be the Mac designer who knew how to use BB edit or something else with regular expressions to manually fix text encoding by like swapping out every single one of these weird ones. Oh, I know. I know what that weird looking character is. That's supposed to be a curly quote. <laughs> And you just yep. find and replace this weird looking thing. I don't even know what it's called with an actual proper opening double curly quote. And this other weird character with an opening uh, closing quote. And all of these are apostrophes. You could just learn to recognize them. And then you could build a little app. Yeah, you'd be like an O yeah. with a, like the letter O with a squiggly over it. And you'd be like, that's an ellipsis. I know what that is. I ended up writing a script to do that at yep. some point yep. because... I realized that um, it was always the same and it was just a missing code because something came over the internet right. and got messed right. up where right. someplace in the process it, it misunderstood what the encoding was yep. and you just have to put it back that way. Right. And it was the, that whole scenario was why there were so many people who used, and I don't even blame them really, who, because they didn't care about the type of typographic purity of using proper quotes, they, they'd say, quote unquote, I hate curly quotes. I hate them because they'd run into these issues where going from Mac to Windows, yeah. it would go across. But I totally, I, it, as nightmarish as it sounds, using Latin 1 encoded tables in MySQL to store UTF-8 uh, in, a, in a setup that I intend to use, you know, for at least a decade you know, for possibly longer, I have complete confidence in it because it really is just bites in bites out. It's garbage in garbage yeah. out. And I'm confident yeah, no, that that's, that's the beauty of it, right. right? Is that it's just not even messing with it. It's just whatever you pass right. in, it passes back out. Right. The down, the only downside to it is that if you like use the MySQL command line tool at the server to like query, like a, a table or something like that, it will display the characters wrong. Cause the MySQL command line thing will, will look at the Latin one thing and helpfully format your UTF-8 bytes as Latin one. But I never use the My I don't need the MySQL command line tool to, to diddle with my tables anyway. So that's fine. So that's my upgrade. Yeah, I have the same issue. 
uh, I actually am now behind you because I'm already on Linode, but um, we have to do an update where uh, using old software is amazing, right? So movable type, we use it not because we're stubborn, maybe a little bit because we're stubborn. <laughs> oh, because I, I know it's where the you're right going. Tool, <laughs> it's the right tool for the job. And uh, if I have a need to change, I'll change. But right now it's the right tool for the job and I know it really well. And and uh, Greg is the foremost expert, so he, he's very helpful in all of that. But I have discovered that we're on an old version of Ubuntu and the new version of Ubuntu, and, and it's got like you log in and it says you need to update it. No more critical updates will be done on this right. system, right? Which is great, except if you go to the new version, it's using a version of Perl that doesn't work <laughs> with movable it. type anymore. Yep. So you have to do this whole thing where you have the, then you have to change the version of Perl. And we still haven't done that, but we have to do that where it's like you can update to this new OS, which you have to do. But then this other part of it now is broken. And right. then you have to downgrade that in order. It's a whole thing. Old at, software. At some point, at some point, we're just going to be running these things in a virtual machine somewhere, right? Yeah. At some point in the Perl development process, there's a whole long story about the saga of Perl five and Perl six, and I think the Perl six community is actually going to just rename the language to something else. I forget where they're where they're going with that Rock Rock Roku or something. I don't know what the hell they're going to call it. But good for them because it really isn't Perl six. It really is a new language that is uh, very 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 pearly, but totally incompatible and different and in the me in the meantime in literally like 15 years of maybe longer of pearl six's development uh and nobody's really in my opinion or experience using it the pearl five community has kept going and since pearl six was like started as a project pearl's gone from like pearl 5.05 to like pearl 5.28 <laughs> and that's a lot and like a, a pearl does a thing the pearl community does a thing where the dot odd numbers are like unstable so like pearl 5.27 is unstable and pearl 5.28 is the stable version of what 27 was in development um but at some point in like the teens the five point teens the pearl community got a little bit aggressive about not worrying about backwards compatibility in a way that actually kind of reminds me of apple in the way that you know, not that they're careless about backwards compatibility, but that they will deprecate things with, you know, and issue warnings to the community that such and such is deprecated and support for it will be dropped, you know, two versions from now, which, you know, might be like a year from now or something like that. Um, but like heretofore, Pearl had pretty much you know, considered breaking back anything that worked before that broke on an upgrade was considered a bug. And that's more or less where movable type has <laughs> run into problems. Yeah. Yeah, Roku and, is now apparently the name of Pearl six and Pearl five is now just Pearl again. Yeah. Rock. Yeah, see, I, I, can, I, I convinced myself that it was wrong. So what's it called? Rock, Raku? Raku, R-A-K-U, Raku. Raku. It's named after apparently a compiler. Yeah, but, uh, like a... that, that tells you that isn't that interesting, right? It's the idea like, well, we're gonna we're gonna take this and we're gonna make a brand new version, and it diverges so much from the old version, and the old version has so many adherents that they don't want to go to the new version. That at some point, both sides agree we should not have the same names anymore because yeah. we're not the same project anymore. Yeah, well, the, but the thing that's really funny to me is this is like fifteen years into Pearl Six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, it took them that long to do it. Um, but anyway, the, basically what you have to do, and I know you know it because I talked about it with Greg, is you, you install an alternate version of Perl. You can't 
and shouldn't replace the system version of Perl with an old Perl. You just install another version of Perl somewhere on your machine, and then you just set right. move, you'd set a movable type to use that in all of the uh, little shebang lines at the top of all the scripts. And then you can use the system Perl for all the other stuff. And then somewhere John Syracuse is listening to us, and Perl expert though he is, who has long advised never using the system Perl for, for anything. And always, I mean, yeah. he's been telling me this for 20 years of me installing everything in system Perl on my Macs as I go along, that I'm out of my mind insane that you shouldn't ever touch it. Just leave it alone. Always install your own Perl alongside it. Usually to get newer Perls back in the day. You know, it's the opposite problem to want to have an older Perl. But it's actually pretty easy, and it was actually an easier part. It sounds like a nightmare, maybe, but it actually was pretty easy. This is ne- yeah. There's never going to be a better episode of the talk show for John Syracuse than this one. It's all Mac Pro and Perl. <laughs> uh, uh, so, all right, what else do we have? Anything else? On, oh, we don't have anything else on Mac Pro, but we've got the Pro Display XDR, which we can talk about. Yeah. It's it's it there it is it's coming out it's you can buy one now um works with systems from like 19 and 18 but not before like you got to have discrete graphics it has to be relatively recent so not the iMac Pro but the, and not, the MacBook Pro and not, the 15 inch MacBook from last year and the new iMacs from last year or from earlier this year are in there uh but the 13 inch MacBook Pro is not Right, which is the to me the most conspicuous update, up, uh, missing one, even more than the Mac iMac Pro. Although I agree that that's got to be a top one, a top config for using it as a secondary display because the iMac Pro is such a good machine for so many Pro uses where somebody really might want the Pro Display XDR for the you know the brightness and the image clarity and all the blah blah blah. Uh, right, you know where you a, a, a movie editor you know would want the. Pro Display XDR and use the iMac for the editing, iMac Pro for the editing and have the Pro Display XDR. So I agree that's a big one. But the fact that uh, the 13-inch MacBook Pro doesn't support it seems like a big deal, too. That doesn't have integrated graphics, right? So I think right. I get the feeling like if they're going to do an update to this thing and they want to support the Pro XDR, they're going to have to put discrete graphics in it, which they yeah. haven't done up to now. Yeah. But on the other hand, maybe, the new, maybe there will be a new 16-inch MacBook Pro-style revision to the 13 inch and it still won't support the xdr maybe that's you know 16 inch only i don't know but i would expect an updated when and inevitably sometime next year a 13 inch macbook pro update comes out that it'll support the xdr um i I hope so it would be a, a shame although i mean you could make the argument that if you're using that like monitor that you're probably going to be using a much higher end kind of uh, device to drive it but i can see the the value of having the the smaller laptop there's a you know in the end it's going to be apple looking at that laptop and saying can it bear uh discrete graphics in it or is that just not what that product is about yeah i you know i i don't know i don't know what the thermals and what the physical size of the those graphics that that are needed to support it are but we'll see but it's a conspicuous absence now and it would be even if it continues to to not support it it's sort of conspicuous because i can imagine that there's some people who just want this big beautiful monitor on their desk but who want a 13 inch macbook pro because they want the smaller i mean as somebody who's been using a 13 inch macbook pro for five years and is now toting around this 15 inch review unit it's definitely noticeable i mean it's you know it it is not as portable as yeah you know by definition did i just call it a 15 inch again I think I, I think you, I think I think you did. <laughs> At least you're consistent. That's good. 
Uh, uh, what else with the Mac Pro? Oh, there's a unique keyboard, mouse, and trackpad colors. They're they're different. They're not space gray because, of course, because the Mac Pro itself is not space gray. Uh, so Apple's not going to sell you space gray keyboard and mouse with a not space gray Mac Pro. Instead, they've come out with new keyboard, mouse, and trackpad colors that are black keycaps or sort of a, gla a glass, the black on the trackpad is the the glass is black but then hmm. it has silver aluminum gray i can't wait to see the aftermarket on those remember when the imac pro came out and there was like the they were there was a serious short run ebay market to be made in selling those things because they weren't yeah. available as standalone devices and then they eventually were but right yeah. right up front they weren't my yeah. my beef is that that's the one thing i hate and have hated for years now on the magic keyboards that Apple sells and ships with regular iMacs is I think the white keycaps are ugly and I don't see why they're white. I think that in the, in the same way that every single Mac, whatever color Mac or not Mac, but MacBook, right? Whether you get space gray or regular gray or the rose gold or gold or whatever colors are available in MacBooks at the current moment, the keycaps are always black. So why are the keycaps white on the Magic Keyboard? I think the black keycaps clearly look better. Yeah, I agree. I don't like the I don't like the numeric keypad. I, when I got my iMac Pro, I actually uh, uh, sold for like cost to some to a friend that keyboard because it's like it's uh, numeric keypad. It's too wide. I don't even want it anymore. And uh, you know, but I didn't I didn't profit on on the color the color <laughs> difference. But I, I agree. I think the black keys are nice. That's the keyboard I'm using. You know, now it's a, I mean, it's a mechanical keyboard. Uh-oh, I touched the third rail there, didn't I? But it's nice and it's, you know, <laughs> got dark, dark keys and it's nice. <laughs> ignore, ignore, must, no, must nope. ignore. Must, must soldier on with the, with the, you know, something I wanted to mention that, that we haven't mentioned yet is that, you, you know, you and I are frequently in the reviews program for uh, products and we don't have Mac Pros. No. And, and there's a really good reason for this. And it is one of the things that informs when I write about like you don't want you don't actually want or need a Mac Pro is Apple is Apple is very careful these days with high end products like this because they know that if they give these products to your average tech product reviewer, they're you know, unless they're very lucky and that person also happens to be a high-end video producer on the side, like their perspective on it, they're like not going to get it. They're not going to understand how this thing, they're not going to be able to test it realistically because it's beyond their scope of what they do. And I know that's true for me. Like the only reason that I felt like I could review the iMac Pro was because of all the audio stuff that I yeah. do that has, that really can use all those cores. Yeah. So um, they don't do that. Like they don't go to the usual suspects with this and they didn't with the iMac Pro. And like the only reason I reviewed the iMac Pro is that I bought one and that because I wanted it. <laughs> that's the only reason. So it's a very different, like Apple knows that they need to seed this to what we saw, which is like YouTubers, because they are cranking through huge amounts of video all the time, and other video and high-end photography kind of people. And so it's an unusual product rollout. It's yeah. not the usual suspects for this, for I think a good reason, a fair reason, which is yeah. like, I thought about asking them, like doing my usual kind of pitch of like, I know, you, you know you're going to do something different, but I wouldn't want to be considered or whatever. And I was like, you know, it's a reach even for me with my audio stuff. It's like, it's kind of out of my range here. And so what would I judge it on? I, I could, I could do some artificial tests, but like, 
not sure that that really qualifies as being like i'm not a good reviewer for this product because it's so high-end yeah i feel the exact same way uh if they had offered it to me i think i would have turned them down because i think it would be more hassle uh yeah than it, to set it up and then eventually send it back to them and uh i, I don't know what i would do i honestly feel ill-equipped i feel like someone you know like if i'm somebody who who writes you know like consumer report style um uh, you know reviewing the this year's Honda Accord and you know here's a, a Lexus sedan and here's the new Subaru uh Outback hatchback thing um but I don't know how to drive at a racetrack how, how am I going to review a new uh Lamborghini like not that I wouldn't enjoy taking it for a spin and not that I wouldn't enjoy you know playing with the Mac Pro I don't I just feel like prof personally ill-equipped to write a review because I don't do anything that really would let it shine you know yeah i mean i, was, I could denoise a four hour long D D session from right. somebody in a noisy space with isotope and it would be really fast and then i would say okay that's yeah. there there we are that would be about all i, I don't even do. edit my own podcast though so i <laughs> couldn't even do that i i mean like i said i i you know i've been using xcode unusually for me in the last two weeks but even there it's like i'm already seeing you know fast enough results just using the 16 inch macbook pro it's not using a Mac pro isn't going to help me with, with my little, little project there. Uh, who has, are any reviews out? I, I don't even know. I've been so busy now, today with a few things. It, it looks like a staggered rollout too, because like the videos that I've seen from YouTubers tend to be kind of like unboxing and first impressions. Mm. And there, there've been a couple of blog posts that I've seen that are kind of like first impressions. So it may actually be that they've got an embargo to like say you've got the product and give your first impressions, but not a full review. I, I don't know that for a fact, but right. that may be the case of like, you know, not yet. Cause I know um, MKBHD sort of promised a full review video, but his first video is not that it's a, it's a uh, much shorter kind of like, here's, here's what I've been thinking, but it's like not the in-depth kind of thing. So right. there's, it seems like it's a staged rollout. It's a very different kind of, kind of product rollout for sure. Yeah, and my guess is, you know, in some ways Apple repeats itself, or the patterns are pretty obvious. But if you think back to the month ago 16-inch MacBook Pro show in New York, and the demos that we saw is my, you know, it's not just going to be all video producers and YouTubers. It's going to be an equal number of the use cases that they see. And we had those demo stations where we traipsed right. around and went from station to station and here's what it means for developers and i remember when the imac pro came out a couple years ago they had the guy who was like an aerospace engineer you know and uh, doing these real complicated uh analysis of like wing design and stuff like that which as you might imagine you know computationally extremely expensive um but just finding people like that people in in truly pressing the limits of but but from various fields visual effects people independent filmmaker and youtuber types right. developers uh Com composers they, yes, they've had that, yeah. that amazing kind of demo where yeah. and this is i've heard from a couple of people yeah. who are professional musicians and and scoring kind of people that like it it yeah. literally is the case now where yeah. they have multiple macs that are working in harmony because mm -hmm. logic can't control that many software instruments of like an orchestra and you know so you've got like yeah. multiple macs wired together and and you have to update things in the different versions of logic and all of that yeah. and the mac pro just runs it with all of the instruments it just runs it and that's yeah. a great 
I, I, when they found that out, I'm sure they glommed onto that. It's like, look, yeah. this is an application that used to take five Mac Pros all uh, running in, in uh, synchrony to do this thing, and now one Mac yeah. Pro does it. It's like, that's a great demo for yeah. scoring. Yeah. Well, and I think it plays into, you know, Apple did exactly what they said they were going to do 980 some days ago and talk to actual pros about their needs. And they had that ready to go. If you remember, they're in the hands-on area at WWDC the day, you know, the day these, these, the Mac Pro was announced, they had a whole room dedicated to a, I forget which movie it was from, but a, a true major Hollywood movie. And they had the actual score from it all running on one machine. And I forget how many machines they said it had to run on when they actually were d doing the work. It was like four, I don't know, like four machines hooked up or maybe more. I don't know. But that having it all on one machine simplified the workflow tremendously. Um, and just, just as the user, you just scroll through and just see all these tracks and there they all are. And instead of having to go over to this other machine to do the horns, they're all, the horns are already there. There they are. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a good demo. Like I know why they, they yeah. did it in June and they did it again last month is yeah. that it's a really good demo and a really good example of how the, what's possible on one of these computers is, um, is so much better than what the reality is today. So that's just, you know, they're going to, they, Apple's really good at this. I mean, we haven't even mentioned the whole, uh, group inside Apple, which I know came up, uh, 980 days ago as well right. like they have this whole pro workflows group now and mm -hmm. this product as well as the macbook pro 16 inch um are a are, are the first products to really be created in partnership with that pro workflows group yeah. and those are those are people those are people who professionally do the things that these computers are supposed to solve and right. that's um you know it's really interesting like they're not they're not theorizing about like well what would a music pro or a film pro want like the film pro and the music pro are in the same it's not even like available somewhere off campus like they're across the hall they're in the same room like with the people who are working on the pro hardware yeah. and um and that's why i think that you know they know very well what parts of the market of various markets they're hitting with this product yeah uh hit and miss uh, miscellaneous items now um uh, there's no webcam on the pro display xdr and uh friend friend of the show mark german pointed that out today and wondered why it hadn't been mentioned had been mentioned uh actually right in the keynote i believe um uh, and the interesting answer on that which i hadn't thought of but then as soon as i was told actually was like oh of course um, so you think your, your answer, well, if the pros don't need a, a webcam built in, or if you're spending all this money, you'll buy an external one. Uh, no, the answer is actually that they went and talked to actual pros and they said, please don't put a webcam on this. Cause if you do, I won't be able to use it. And they're like, why? And they're because it, for security reasons, cameras aren't allowed in the rooms where they're editing these films or doing the VFX or something like that, because it's there's there's that's how tight security is. Like when you're doing the visual effects for, I'll just you know Star Wars or something like right. that, right? Yeah. You know? And you could say, well, wait, the webcam points away from the display. So how could you, you know, photograph the display with the webcam when it's in there? But who knows if there's a display across from the display if you're working back to back with somebody? So the you know. Those rooms, when they say no cameras, they mean no cameras. Right. Uh, which is a funny... And they are, they do, there is a partner 
and I don't know if it's Logitech or somebody else, but Apple said like a partner yeah. is making one that's going to be yeah. ma- color matched and everything. Yeah, I think it is display. Logitech. Yeah, I think it's Logitech. So if you want one, you can buy one and add it, and it magnetically clips on and stuff yeah. like that. But it doesn't come with one. Yeah, and probably will have a much better resolution than most of Apple's <laughs> front-facing cameras on their Macs. Uh, here's a question I had. So what are the missing Macs now that the Mac Pro is out? And the one that, first one that pops into my mind, I mentioned this a few shows ago, but what it, a 15-inch or 16-inch, whatever you want to call it, but bigger than 13-inch non-pro MacBook. There was some guy on Twitter who, I, I don't know if I have the link or not, but somebody was mentioning in a thread on this pricing. He had a client who wants to switch from the Mac, uh, from the PC to the Mac and wants a 15-inch laptop. And he said, well, they start at $2,400. And that the guy just laughed because he doesn't want a $2,400 laptop. And again, you know, as a starting price for Macs, 999 is pretty high in the PC world as the cheapest laptop you can buy. Um, this isn't really about that. $2,400 as the starting price is to some people with typical needs of just email, web browsing, that sort of thing. $2,400 is is way too much for a laptop. Yeah. But a 15-inch display is something that lots and lots and lots of people could enjoy because you know it puts more on screen. And if you're very... I just completely happy and satisfied toting around a 15 inch instead of 13 inch uh, laptop. You know, the PC world has options for you. There are high end 15 inch, 16 inch laptops, and there are low end 15 inch laptops for people who, who want a lower end, lower cost laptop, but still want a 15 inch screen. To me, that's a missing Mac. And I don't think we're ever going to get it. I think I think if we were going to, that would have come out years ago um but i think it's sort of a shame yeah i think that it, it's worth saying that the consumer laptop thing th- that apple's been doing like apple was in a bind for a bunch of years where they had the macbook and they thought that was going to replace the macbook air but it didn't and they had that 13 inch macbook pro that was kind of not a macbook pro but kind of was and that didn't either and finally those are gone and the there is the MacBook Air Retina, and it feels like they've at least now got an answer for what's your consumer Mac laptop. Now, I would say from there, there's a good question to ask, which is, is that single laptop the only consumer Mac laptop answer? Or is that the place from which they can kind of grow and find their way? And whether that means something bigger, something smaller, a little bit of both, but I I got to think that Apple's customer base is large enough that they could afford to make more than a single consumer laptop, right? I I do too. I really would because it's and I think it's by far and away the best-selling thing, uh, you know. And and I know they don't want to My my family has 3 of those new Retina MacBook Airs. We have right. my my son has one, my wife has one, my daughter has one. It's like they're just they're 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 good even with the keyboards which you know we have an issue and presumably that'll be replaced but like they're good but it's a starting point and i feel like you know that was good to have a square one like okay at least we've got something people can buy now but could they go to you know that's a 13 could they do a 15 version of the of the air um i I think they could if they thought that it would it would sell and that it would be a complimentary piece 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it would sell. Whether it would sell enough to really make it worthwhile for Apple, I, I don't know. Maybe they always the question, right? Is is it's not just would would a hundred people buy it? It really is like, is it enough to divert Apple's product designers to build a totally different SKU? And would it not just be cannibalizing existing sales that would go to other products? And that's yeah. the that's the hard part of it. But I do have to think that they probably got space in the consumer laptop world for more than one computer. All right, let me take a break here. Thank our third and final sponsor of the show, uh, ClearBank, C-L-E-A-R-B-A-N-C. Hey, here's some ideas. How about your coffee shop running out of cold brew right when you get to the front of the line? Uh, or you buy a new MacBook Pro the day before Apple changes the keyboard. ClearBank can't change those things. But ClearBank is changing one unfair thing, how hard it is to get funding as an entrepreneur. They know it's scary to put your house up as collateral for a bank loan and how scary and time-consuming it can be pitching investors, not to mention giving up pieces of your company if the investor likes it. ClearBank believes that fundraising can be easy. They've created a new way for founders to raise money without tapping into their personal resources. They can fund you anywhere from $10,000 to $10 million in a single day. All you need to do is fill out their 20-minute term sheet to get started. ClearBank works with e-commerce companies, software as a service companies, and yes, mobile apps too. Probably of interest to more people who listen to this show. They have funded thousands of entrepreneurs and they are on track to invest over $1 billion in 2019 as a special gift to talk show listeners because they think you guys are pretty special and love James Bond too. qualifying companies that get approved by ClearBank will get $1,000 of additional capital to sign up. Visit clearbank.com slash talk show. That's clearbank, B-A-N-C.com slash talk show. ClearBank, stop pitching and get back to doing what you love growing your business. Let me just add, if you do buy a MacBook Pro the day before they come out with a new keyboard, you could take it back and get the replacement. Right. But still, that sucks. Uh, my thanks to ClearBank for sponsoring the show. Um, so I don't have anything left on the Mac Pro or the the uh, Pro Display XDR. I think we're I think we're done. The other yeah. thing I wanted I wanted to talk to you about was to me a fascinating. Ming-Chi Kuo report that came out last week. 9 to 5 Mac, I guess, had it first. Uh, and you talked about it on the episode of uh, Upgrade, fine show, one of my very favorites, to be honest. I'm not just saying that because you're here with uh, Mike Hurley, um, which just came out yesterday, episode uh, 275. <laughs> with the title, Remove All of the Holes. <laughs> Which uh-huh. tells you which. So I don't want to cover all of it again. I just want people should go listen to. Uh, I don't want you to you know repeat. I'm not going to splice in your segment from uh, from upgrade. It's very <laughs> fine. But I think you guys left you left some stuff on the table here for me because you guys focused on this 2021 rumor from Ming Chi Kuo right. that they're going to do an iPhone with no port, and we could talk about it briefly. But you, your whole segment and the title of your episode obviously comes from that. Um. But the 2020 rumors, to me, are fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right now, 
Apple's uh, current lineup of current year phones, the the and this has been true since the iPhone 10. Then the 10s introduced the Pro Max, um, where you've got the OLED displays at 5.8 inches as the smaller. I won't call it small and 6.5 inches as the large one. Um, and then they've come out with the, what was, uh, last year, the 10 R, but now just called the iPhone 11 an LCD screen right between the two at 6.1 inches diagonal. All of these phones share a common design language with the rounded corners and a notch at the top for the sensor array for Face ID. And because they have Face ID, they don't need Touch ID. And because they don't need Touch ID and they go edge to edge, they got rid of the home buttons. And they have really, there's a, a line in the sand where the iPhone 10 was sort of like the real iPhone 2.0 where they right. kind of redesigned the fundamental uh, way that you interact with the device. The 1.0, which was great and is still great and still popular, uh, is you tap an app and it opens the app and then you tap the home button, click the home button, and you go back to the home screen and you can tap another app. And the new one, you it's all these swipe gestures. Uh, my mom has an iPhone 6 and she has a, uh, a weird battery issue where uh, her phone, I, I needed to restore it. I won't waste a lot of time on this upgrade, but she, her battery was running down within hours. It was like a full, it would go from a hundred percent to uh, zero in like three or four hours. And it was all attributed to mail running in the background. Like when you check in, in the system preferences in the battery section and it says who's doing stuff and mail is running in the background. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what, why I emptied her inbox and put it all in the archive. I don't know what was going on. But she didn't have anything on her phone anyway, really. She had almost no apps. So like a restore and not restoring from backup, just restoring her iCloud credentials pretty much got her everything she had, if not if not at literally everything. Um, I did that, and it stopped draining the battery like that. And also the battery health was uh, 88%, which isn't bad for a couple-year-old iPhone 6. Certainly not worth getting it replaced yet. But the weird thing is now that I've restored it, the battery does last for days in idle, <laughs> like on standby, but it runs down from 100 to 1% if you put the battery meter up in the thing within about 12 hours. So it goes from 100% to 1%. And there were a couple of times where I thought, well, damn, this, I'm going to take, I have to take this to the store and either get her, either convince her to just buy a new phone now that this is older or, or at least get the battery replaced in this. But then I stopped resetting it when it got to 1%. I was like, how come I keep luckily finding this when it gets to 1%? How, this is weird. I just have it on the kitchen counter, and every couple of hours I take a peek at it and see where the battery is at. How come I keep catching it at 1%? That seems unlikely. And it turns out I let it go. It went for four days at 1%. Now, of course, it obviously yeah. wasn't going for four days at 1%. It's like somehow it's, it's, it's lost its ability to accurately gauge how long the battery lasts. Right. So anyway, that story aside, so I don't have a solution to that. So if anybody has a solution, you can tell me. Um, but anyway, I've spent a lot of time using an iPhone 6 in the last few weeks because of this. And I can't, it's gotten to the point where I cannot, <laughs> I just can't get used to it. I can't get used to getting Control Center to pull down. I, I, I keep swiping up even though there's a home button. Like for the first couple of 
for the first while after I switched to an iPhone 10, uh, I could, I could go back to a, a touch button, a home screen button one. And, you know, within a minute or two, I'd be like, okay, I remember how this works. You double click the button and now you're multitasking. Now I can, it's like, I can't even use it. It's like, I'm using the mouse with the wrong hand or something like that. Um, but all of these phones are in this new era. It is a 2.0 era of the basic paradigm of how the iPhone system works, right? Mm-hmm. So there's an iPhone, which Ming-Chi Kuo has been calling the SE2, supposedly coming out early next year, which if it follows the original SE, it would be like March or maybe early April. And it's uh, has a home button, supposedly, you know, and with touch ID and it looks just like an iPhone eight. Uh, and there's a rumor. I think that the Mac site, Japanese Mac site, Mac Otakara uh, says they heard it from an quote informed source that Apple will be calling it the iPhone nine. Um, I don't think that's a crazy idea. I think for a lot of people like my mom, I think that could be the perfect phone because right. I don't, she doesn't want to upgrade to a new paradigm. And again, I don't think it would take, I don't think it's a bad idea. I don't think it's unusable by typical people, but people like my mom don't want anything new like that. They don't want to change. They're just, they're, they're, they fear it. They fear, they're like, fear the unfamiliarity and it's a turnoff. Um, yeah. And that's the beauty of the uh, SE concept, right? It's like, we're going to take that old phone that you like. And if that's what you like, we'll just put some new stuff in it, but it still right. looks like the old one. And now the SE, as we think of it, which is like the iPhone 5, like right. it's so old at this point that that's not right. really plausible, but right. that you could – now the throwback is to the 6, 7, 8 era. Right, which was really unchanged for four years, right? Six, seven, six, six S, seven, eight was four generations with the same form factor, you know, with right. – plus and non-plus sizes. I presume that this new SE is not going to have a plus variant, that it'll just be the smaller variant. Yeah, I'd imagine. I and mean, that's what what the Quo rumor is. Yeah. I think that this years long, it's been at least a year, this idea of an SE2 coming out in early 2020 has really confused a lot of people about just what an SE phone, iPhone is, whether they call it the SE2 or use some kind of name like that. Because we know people who are enthusiasts who really, really think about these things and care about like, Ooh, I really, really love my phone who really love that small four inch iPhone five, five S SE size. Yep. And really, really wanted the SE two to keep that alive. And they're, I, I think they've all come to grips even before it's come out. I would just based on the rumors that that isn't going to happen because that's not what an SE phone is, whether you want to call these SE phones or whatever. It's exactly what you just said, where it's, the, it's really like the phone from two or three years ago that a lot of people still like, whatever that phone was. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the it's the, the challenge there is that there, those are two different things, which is I like a small phone and I just like it the way the, I like the old one. Can we keep that around a little bit longer? And I think it's clear based on these reports that I like a small phone is not what's happening here. It's right. can we keep the past generation of of shape and design alive a little bit longer at a low price for the people right. who want that product uh, and the interesting thing with the se a couple years ago was that whatever i forget whatever year whatever year it came out 
it came out with the top of the line A series CPU from five or six months earlier. Um, mm -hmm. And me saying A series there triggered Siri. Of course. <laughs> my device, of course. Uh, and that's the rumor with this, uh, you know, iPhone 9, iPhone SE 2, whatever you want to call it, that it's going to have the, what are we up to now? The A, uh, A13? 13, I think, yeah. Yeah, so basically it's going to be an iPhone 11. It'll um, be an except... iPhone 11, except in an iPhone 8 form factor. And maybe yeah, with, with a lesser with, uh, camera. Touch ID. And, well, certainly with a lesser camera, because it's only going to have one camera lens. Um, right. Uh, that, to me, is what these SE phones are, is keeping that alive. Mm -hmm. um, so Ming-Chi Kuo's 2020 rumors. And here's the thing. Ming-Chi Kuo is not always perfect, but where he's seemingly really, really accurate is displays. And it right. just seems, as I've said this before, I'll say it again. It seems to me like, I'm sure he has sources outside the display industry, but he's got really good, really good sources in the display industry because he's been right about displays. Uh, I, I, I can't remember the last time he was wrong about displays. Um. Five point uh, four new phones for 2020, not counting SE phones. We're talking about, I believe these are all phones that would come out in at the September iPhone event. 5.4 inches with two cameras on the back. So that's smaller than, and these are all OLED, by the way. No, no LCD, all OLED. Hmm. So I believe they would, that means they would all be 10 class phones, meaning no home button, flip up from the bottom, pull down from the right for control center, et cetera. Right, face ID. Face ID. 5.4, that would be a new smaller than ever version of this class of phone, but only two cameras on the back. So probably a, almost certainly a lower price, somewhat price, price something like the what we now call the iPhone 11. Two 6.1-inch OLED displays. One of them with two cameras. So I believe very clearly that is the successor to what we now call the iPhone 11. Same size, 6.1 inches, but with an OLED instead of LCD and a two-camera system on the back. Then another 6.1-inch phone with a triple-lens camera set up on the back as well as something called a time-of-flight 3D sensing technology. That's, that's, let's just call it depth, advanced depth sensor on the back. Sure. And then a 6.7-inch with the same triple lens camera setup. So if all of this is true, I think it's very clear. Here's what I think the 2020, if Quo is right, this is fascinating to me. The, the 2020 displays, or the 2020 iPhones, would be two of the 10R regular old non-pro 11 class phones. The one that we've had since the 10R and now the 11 at 6.1 inches, but upgraded to OLED on the front. And a new smaller one at 5.4 inches. Right. But unfortunately, <laughs> for those of us who <laughs> have kind of bemoaned even the increase in size to 5.8 inches, it seems like the successor to the Pro phones, the two Pro phones are going to increase in size by a third of an inch to 6.1 and then go from 6.5 to 6.7 for the max. 
Right. So the idea here is that the um, the, the one that I use, and I, you may use this too, the the uh, the six point one, right? Or the the no the five point eight. Right. Which is the iPhone 10, the iPhone 10, not not Max, right? Just iPhone 10 size, which right. is already bigger than the iPhone 8, right? Um, is gonna they're not gonna make that one anymore. They're gonna make it the size that we think of now as the iPhone 11 or the 10R size, right? And that is gonna be the small one, and then the Pro Max one is going to get even bigger because i which makes sense to me because people who want the big phone probably always want it to be an even bigger phone um and then in exchange for that the 11 which is currently available only in that one size is going to get a little buddy yeah who is actually probably in the ballpark or maybe slightly larger than the that kind of classic iPhone 6 7 8 size yep but exactly. a 10 class yeah right Corner to corner, round corner display, OLED, two camera system on the back, which I presume will be the same. I think it has proven to be the right decision and is extremely popular to have the second lens be um, mm -hmm. the ultra wide angle instead of telephoto. Um, that's it's you know, it all makes sense. It's not fascinating in the sense of why in the world would they do that, except for the fact that, god damn it, I wish that the best pro one was not bigger <laughs> right well I, I think this is if this is their strategy i think that is the question i've got about how they market this stuff because i get if if you're shopping based on i want the cutting edge features so i want the iphone pro then you know and you like a smaller phone you're going to get the 6.1 inch and it's going to be bigger yeah. than the phone you've got now yeah. but if your number one thing is like i i want the smaller phone and you can save money and you still get two cameras then this is my question because I'm that person. I look at this and I think, I'm oh, I just going to get the iPhone, you know, 12 base model next year rather yeah. than the the Pro. And if it's different, if it's like, yeah, it's a, easier to hold in my hand and it isn't getting bigger in size, maybe I don't know. It's an interesting question. Yeah, I also it occurs to me, and I actually broke out a ruler, and it's stupid because you can't really measure the stuff with a ruler. But I broke out a ruler, and I started thinking, like, what if the Pro ones have more of an edge-to-edge -edge display, like less of a black bezel between mm -hmm. where the display is. Like in the same way that the iPhone XR and 11 LCDs have more of a bezel than the OLED ones, what if on these Pro ones, the the bezel goes even closer to the edge, almost like almost or even does wrap around a little bit, like some a lot of Android phones do? Um, right. So that maybe the actual physical size of the device is, I, I want to say, isn't larger at all. But I found it hard with a ruler to, to find a third of an inch diagonally. But you can kind of come close. You kind of get maybe a quarter of an yeah. inch, right? There's sort of an eight, about, maybe about an eighth of an inch. I'm looking at it now of bezel around here. And oh, just, the, the 11 is not a... I mean, it's bigger than I'm used to, but it's not right. a terrible size. It's, it's, right. it's you know, but for right. people who already think the phone is too large, this actually might be a really nice thing, right. saying, no, we're going to have a mainline one that's 5.4. Like, right. that's going to be a relief for all those people who never liked having to use a larger phone, even if it's right. not as small as the 5 was. Right. I All I'm saying is I think it's possible. 
by expanding into the bezels. And then and then it would visually separate the two, right? Then there's so if there's an iPhone 12 and an iPhone 12 Pro and they're both 6.1 inch displays. The Pro could be visually more impressive by having this display that expands even further to the corners of the devices and is right. actually a slightly physically smaller device that is maybe only slightly bigger than the 5.8. Please, please, please let that be true. <laughs> <laughs> please yep. let that be true. Um, but, I, you know, and it is, you know, and why would Apple do that? Well, it, you know, there are some people who really like that aesthetic and I, at least, and, you know, and as long as it does a good job of not recognizing hand gestures when you don't want them and stuff like that you know but in the realm of people who look at all phones as opposed to only judging iphones and sort of ignoring the android world the fact that the you know even the the 11 pro and pro max have in the premium android world large bezels it, it's a that's a fact so i'm optimistic that just you can't go by the corner-to-corner -corner screen dimensions to judge the increase in physical device dimensions is what I'm saying. Sure. I can see that. But maybe I'm just saying that to myself because that's what I want. Well, let's... So the... the And just for reference here, the Samsung Galaxy Note 10 Plus is a 6.8. Hmm. So if you're talking about like what's the competition in terms of the big screen phone by going to six point from six point five to six point seven, they are pushing the Pro Max up to, you know, Samsung Galaxy kind of size. Yeah. Which for the on the Galaxy Note, the large one. And that's uh you know, there's a market. There's a market. There are there are people for whom a phone can never be too big. And it that's not me, but I know some people like that and you know, Apple I think it's smart to chase those people because they want the big phone. Yeah, and the you know the Note is a good device to look at for what a more edge to edge wrap around the side a bit uh, display could look like. Uh, right. So, you know, I, 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 that that anyway, that's my hope. Anyway, I had a bit of, uh, as we call it in the industry, although I don't usually use it, uh, follow out. And that oh, was with, with you and with you and Mike on 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 the uh, here to on the uh, priorly mentioned upgrade two seventy five was uh, was on the uh, the scheduling and the idea that as Ming Chi Kuo seems to suggest that Apple has plans for future first half of the year new iPhones. I think Mike Mike seemed to interpret that as separating like the eleven and the eleven Pro. Into right, doing the eleven style phones earlier in the year and the pro ones in September, and I think if you think about it, it's that's not it at all. I think it is about regularizing these SE phones mm. to have. And if you really think about, it, if you think about the September new phones, which have been the case for m many many years now. Um, they're effectively the 2020 model year phones, right? Like all the enthusiasts jump and buy them immediately in the fourth quarter of the calendar year, right? I pre-ordered mine that on day one. Sure. Uh, but most of them, these are the phones that are going to be on sale as the top of the line iPhone from January until, you know, September 11th or 12th or 13th or whatever. 
um, whenever they hold the event. So for most of the 2020 calendar year, that's, these are the premier phones. Uh, so I think that this schedule, this SE schedule, for lack of a better word, is about getting a lower tier but still top-of-the-line chipset in the market at, at a lower price, but not wasting time at September with even more phones, right? And they've already seemed to be expanding to four phones at the top end. Right. And, so who right? wants five in right? that group? And, right. and one of them is old and less. In- well, and he has that rumor, which I actually think is a really interesting rumor, which is the idea that in 2021, they're going to do another SE style phone. But what they're going to do is they're going to take the uh, the home button out and right. put touch ID on like one of the button. side buttons. Yeah, right. which is that's also kind of wacky, but um, an interesting idea. And, uh, you know, it's not something I would have come up with, but I think it's an interesting idea. I think you're right. I think it's it, it would be awfully hard um, to separate the like the 11 and the 11 pro because you'd be you know using an older chip generation in one of them presumably the lower end one which means it's even more of an afterthought and that that, i don't think that's the message they want to sell it it didn't you know but but there's room for more iphone rollout i think what we're seeing here like if if this described thing happens apple is going to say we have five different iphones and we'll roll uh the big ones out in the fall and then there'll be some other ones uh you know or at least one other one that's going to come out later and you don't need to worry about it too much but we're going to do that too and i i think this is where we are now is there used to be an iphone and the iphones keep growing because apple realizes that they uh, you know different people want different things out of the iphone these days and and that's a one way to sell more iphones is to give people um these choices so that they can find one that they actually want to upgrade to Right, and it's you know it's their most popular, most important, financially most used product. Uh, yeah, and yet it's the one that, that until very recently had had the fewest options. I mean, because honestly, even I mean, I don't want to. I've just never been a fan of the plus sized ones. I like the max size one even better. There's something about the dimensions of the plus one that really never sat well with me personally. But um, even then it still was just two sizes of the same thing. And yes, the plus ones had slightly better cameras and yes, I still won't stop complaining about that (laughs) as someone who wouldn't (laughs) buy a plus, but wanted the best camera. Um, But it wasn't nearly as much variety as we have even just today before this 2020 rumor of what might be coming. But the, the starting last year with the 10 R and the, 10s and 10s max was a much wider variety of options for hey i want a new excellent top of the line chipset excellent camera you know iphone way more variety there in terms of well i i would be delighted to spend 300 dollars less and have this excellent lcd screen with slightly larger bezels you know here i'm looking at it in the store side by side yeah i'll just take this one Right. That's a great option. Yeah. And yes, they raise the prices to get the OLED ones to the prices that they're at now. Um, but I think it makes way more sense. And if they even as we said that there's you know, we could always find phones that that we wish they in a dream world that they'd still make one with a four inch diagonal screen for people who really do want a tiny little iPhone. Um but this sounds like a much like a much more robust lineup. And as we were talking earlier about MacBooks, I really feel like there's a market for all of these phones if they come out as rumored. 
I think so. I think so. I think that the number of people, sheer number of people who buy iPhones, right? Like, the, you don't have to have a huge slice of the market for it to be a huge number of people. And if the net result is you sell more iPhones, that's what they want, yeah. right? Like, if, yeah. if they're not going to make an iPhone that literally is going to do nothing but take sales away from the two iPhones that are bracketing it. Like, right. why? Would you even do that unless unless it's pulling a lot of people up from a cheaper model and you're making more profit? But I think they're um, doing what you know. It's the opposite of what Samsung did, which is which is just throw a whole bunch of phone models out there and see which one sold, and then they learned from it. With Apple, it's sort of starting very focused on like a product that they try to sell to everybody, and yeah. realizing now that they can't they can't do that yeah. anymore. So if we have five brand new iPhones in 2020, you know, bring it on. I think that's I think that's good, and I think it's good for Apple at this point. In it's in its lifespan. All right. Now, let me complain <laughs> about the woes of me. How the fuck am I going to review four iPhones? Uh, <laughs> you know, it was nice two years ago when the when the 10R came out before the 10S, right? So yeah, there was like was two great. different embargoes. Oh, it was fantastic. And plenty of time between them. Plenty of time between them. Mm -hmm. Oh, please let these come out staggered. Please let them come out staggered. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, this, I think to myself, isn't it fun that I get to run this website all by myself and I can take credit for every word that's ever been yep. written on it? <laughs> and then, and then three iPhones come out at once. Yeah. I mean, the good news is it looks like the plan here is that it's it's you know what they're really doing is varying the screen size and then they've, right. they've got two models, two models yeah, with so, two different screen sizes. So it's yeah. not really four phones; it's two yeah. phones, which it already yeah. is. So yeah. we're already there. Yeah. So my technique, if this happens as scheduled, we did the same thing I did this year, where I sort of skipped the Pro or Pro Max and just did the regular eleven and eleven Pro comparison and picked yeah. the sizes I most wanted. Um, uh, Last but not least, Ming-Chi Kuo has a 2021 rumor that the high-end, presumably pro iPhones, will drop the lightning port. And not not for USB-C, which I'm not surprised by, but instead <laughs> have no port whatsoever. Now, you and Mike devoted a huge segment of, mm -hmm. of upgrade to this. And I really I thought it was excellent. And so I don't want to rehash the whole thing. We don't have to go into detail. And you and I have already gone a little bit longer than, than most podcasts do here. But I still think we can't let this go without – I cannot publish a podcast after this report came out and not talk about the rumor of a, iPhones with no port. Here's my thought. I've said this before. I'll repeat myself very quickly. I've never expected iPhones to go to USB-C. And I know that once the iPad Pros did, it certainly became more plausible and it became a maybe. But Apple's explanation for why iPad Pros got USB-C from Lightning is that they are – geared as replacements or alternatives to PCs. Right. And PCs need USB. Uh, iPhones that, and, and again, I, when in doubt, take Apple at their word. That description does not apply in any sense to iPhones. And iPhones don't need the extra high charging. They probably, for thermal reasons, maybe wouldn't use it even if they could. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, I, I, as far as I know, maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I, somebody, I guess will let me know on Twitter. Let me know on Twitter. Don't email me. Um, it's really a lot better for me, but I don't think that Android phones with USB-C ports can take advantage of say a 45 watt charger. I just don't think that works. I don't think it's feasible, but if it is, well, I guess that would be a, a theory. Um, 
But we'll get back to that in a second when we talk about removing ports in it altogether. I just don't think it makes any sense. And I think that the proprietariness of Lightning and the avoiding the controversy, the inevitable huge backlash from the normal person community who would object to and immediately deem a money grab a port change, even if the port changes to the industry standard from a proprietary one. Um, uh, you know, like my, my sister and brother-in-law were, were not angry, but asked me, like, they were upset because they, what they do is they upgrade every other year. So my sister gets a new iPhone one year, and then the next year her husband does, and then the next year she does. And they go like that. Well, in the year when it was time for somebody to upgrade to the first one with lightning, all of a sudden their one charger in the kitchen couldn't charge both, you know, and they were upset by that. Uh, people would see it the same way. But anyway, so I never thought USB-C was in play. I've been saying for a while now that it'll be lightning until they go to no ports at all. Uh, I would not have pegged 2021 as when they went to no ports at all. It's, yeah. I mean, I, I would love to express massive skepticism about a report like this, except um, we've got the model, right, which is the headphone jack. Like, yep. all of my feelings about this are the same feelings I had when there was the report that they were going to get rid of the headphone jack. And that was, well, that's that's preposterous. Uh, think of all the reasons that you can't do that. Um, and, you know, but they did it. <laughs> like, they did it. And they put a dongle in the box and they made it work. And I can come up with a big list of things about why this doesn't make any sense. Like, CarPlay and surviving a complete crash where you need to reset the firmware and uh, charging on an external battery pack or in a car or on an airplane. And waterproofing. And, or did you mention you know, that? Yeah, well, waterproofing is like a reason why they could do it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's like, but the question is, that's what, part of the question is why? why? Why do it? Why? Right. And the, the why for removing the headphone port, there's a couple that I, you know, I think they're pretty obvious. And the one they gave was about, you know, need, needing or at least wanting that space underneath the display because the head, traditional headphone jack really does go a long way in compared to any modern digital port, um, which I think is legit. And I don't think it means they couldn't do it. Right. And that's the thing. It's not that they couldn't do a headphone jack and still have these displays, but I think it would make it much more difficult and it might compromise them in some way. And the way that the 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 current OLED ones curve under at the top and bottom really might prevent it unless they put the headphone jack on the side or something like that, which is weird. Um, but I think ultimately it was really is a vision that, hey, the future is wireless headphones, and it's so much better that we want to help push it there by getting rid of the headphone jack. And Apple's done this in the past where, you know, it's sometimes more successfully, sometimes less successfully. Like, I think that the, hey, the only ports on MacBooks are going to be USB-C hasn't worked out. It hasn't been a disaster, but it hasn't worked out as well as I think Apple would have anticipated when they first came out with a USB-C only MacBook. Um, but like abandoning traditional ports and going into us with usb original usb uh with the imac turned out great and i think mm -hmm. it helped usher in the usb era i think dropping the headphone jack on iphones and including headphones that do still work with it via lightning uh because the airpods are too expensive to include in the package um it has helped i think usher in the airpods era I think it has helped. And you could say, well, they just wanted to sell AirPods. But 
I, I think AirPods make people happy. So it, it's like win-win. It's like win-win for Apple. They sell $160 up to $200 AirPods, or I guess up to $249 now. Um, but I, people love their AirPods, right? So they've ushered in a better era. What's the better era that gets ushered, uh, uh, ushered in by removing the, the charging jack? I, I don't get it. I yeah that's that's I mean I get I get the argument that you're saving space on the inside I get the argument that engineering wise not having to have a port that sticks out a very particular location right. gives you a lot more flexibility on the inside but yeah what headphones do you put in the box if I, there's no lightning jack there has what, to what, be there has to be a story to sell and I don't think we know it yet you know yeah. and it must yeah. involve some sort of wireless charging technology or contact charging technology yeah. you know with the smart to connector type thing that's the best thing that i can come up with is what if they went to a smart connector style thing except right. that could handle way more power and and probably transfer way more data and also probably have some kind of a a dongly kind of thing that you that is either wireless or that you attach via that thing that um because like carplay is a great example where you're you basically can't come out with an iphone that doesn't work with more than half of the CarPlay cars that are out there. Because CarPlay, because even though wireless CarPlay has been around for a while, almost nobody has wireless CarPlay. Right, right. And all of a sudden, you're, you, it's buy such a Buy a new huge... car? <laughs> well, well, right. You buy a new iPhone, and it's a huge downgrade where you go from CarPlay to no CarPlay. And, and charging speed is another one. Yeah, huge, okay. huge. That's okay. why there are no Qi charging battery cases, right? It's, right. it's slow and it's inefficient. It's right. just a bad idea. So Apple would have to either there's a new Qi that we don't know about or that is coming, or Apple would have to reinvent. Like they could do a MagSafe-y kind of thing if they wanted to. I, I, I don't know. It's, it is, the, for me, I get hung up. There are solutions here, but I get up, hung up on the why. Like why? Right. What is the benefit to the user right. in eliminating this port? And I, right. I am having a hard time seeing it. Other than, and, I mean, waterproofing would be nice, right? To finally say, because like if you drop your phone in the ocean today and it dies, even though it's got all that water and dust resistance in it, it's your fault and Apple won't fix it unless you pay them it's not warrantied even though they're water resistant water damage is not covered and like it would be great if the iphone covered water damage and like no it's not gonna fail we promise and if getting rid of this port did that then i could sort of see that but even so that's quite a cost just to get waterproofing to be better and it's true that there's an example of an ios device with no ports it's the apple watch um, and it you know comes with its own custom charger and it latches on the back. But sure. part of the reason it can latch on the back is that the back has like this big round feeling mine right now. It's not flat. Yeah, it's got a and, big round sensor blob on it. And also, by the way, like I don't ever run betas on Apple Watch in the summertime right. Right. because if they if it dies, like you can't do a reset because right. there's no port on it. And right. do, do, is that going to happen to the iPhone too? It's weird. It's just again. I would I would brush it off if it weren't for the fact that we just went through this and right. maybe this is going to happen again. But it hasn't come into focus yet about yeah. like if this is true, why is it true? And I don't know. I don't know why. There's it's got to be a story that we don't know. You know, and right? That's that's to me the more intriguing thing. And I do I'm, believe there will be. I believe, uh, you know, what's the over under without the Ming Chi. Quote rumor. I would have set the rumor at get rid of the lightning port for no port at all at maybe like twenty twenty five. Sure, you know, give it five more years and we'd have wireless charging that could compete with you know current high quote unquote high speed charging for phones. But you can't go from current high speed charging for phones and say the fastest you get is Qi. 
Like, you know, right. I, I just had one the, just this week. It happens maybe once a month. I, I put my phone on the nightstand Qi charger wrong and it doesn't light up. And I've, it's been so long since I've done that that I'm not paying attention and I've got the sound off so I don't hear anything. Like, I don't hear the lack of, uh, you know, verification that it's on. And I wake, I woke up in the morning and my phone was almost dead. Uh, now I didn't have to go anywhere cause I work at home, but if I had to go somewhere, I would want to be able to charge that up to like 50% very quickly. Like I would didn't put it on the Qi charger. Yeah. When I realized what happened, I took it down to the kitchen and put, put it on an 18 watt charger. I still have a lightning charger next to my Qi chargers and, uh, you know, often it's for other devices, but right. like sometimes it's the, Oh no, my phone's right. at 10%. I guess it didn't stay on the Qi charger last night, and I really need to top it up before I go. And you'd lose, right. you you can't lose that, right? And, and not to mention, like I said, people who live on like the Apple came out with a battery case. Well, right. they don't do you know Qi charging battery cases because you lose a lot of the power. It's really inefficient and it's super slow. So yeah. maybe Apple has invented something new. Uh, that that's the that's part of the what is the story here and that's why when i when i mention and and you mentioned like something kind of like the smart connector from different it's like okay well what if apple said you know there's a better way when you do need an accessory which right. is we made a we made a thing that's a magnetically attached contact thing it's not a port per se most people are never going to use it but it's there for this adapter and for carplay and for for a battery case to use and we've designed a battery right. case that uses it like right. i could i could make maybe see that but that better be really great right because they're going to need to drive adoption of that very quickly and but then the other thing that that runs into is the fact that most people the overwhelming majority of people want a case on their phones and they don't want you know like apple apple's own cases now leave the bottom lip open they round the corner but leave that whole area from speaker to speaker and the lightning right. port open but a lot of people don't want that they don't want a case like that because they really they they feel secure when there's a lip all the way around. I mean, I guess if they came out with a phone without that, that needed the bottom to be open to magnetically connect, you know, they would just have to suck it up. But it would also seem to rule out the entire category of truly protective cases. You know, the the sort of, right. yeah, you can actually um, throw this. You, unless you have like a smart connector where, I don't know, do all the cases have their own like... Pa metal pass through something like it's it, it all starts like i can believe that it could happen but when i start thinking about the details right. it all starts to unravel and uh, comes kind of back to like why are we going through this what are we right. what's the benefit of going right. through this I, I don't yeah what's the benefit i don't get it you know i do get the waterproofing thing but i just don't think it's as important you know and and you know as a watch nerd i know the history with watches were for a long long time there was no such thing as a waterproof watch and then wrist, wrist watches came out and you know, people would just forget they had their watch on and like jump in the pool or something. And oh shit, you've just, you just ruined your watch. Uh, right. You know, and now I've never, I, uh, I'm thinking in the back of my head. Yeah, I think it's true. I've never owned a watch that isn't waterproof. Uh, and I've been wearing a watch since I was like 13 years old. Yeah. Well, actually, I guess I had a Superman watch when I was seven years old that, <laughs> that wasn't, wasn't uh, waterproof. So let me, let me put an asterisk there, which I wish I wish to God I still owned Cause wouldn't that be adorable? Um, uh, but, you know, from 13 on, buying Casio uh, digital watches, I've never owned one that isn't waterproof. But I just don't think that's as important for the phone, or at least not so important as to get rid of the port. And it can be solved for those who need it if it's a relatively small group by putting yeah. by making it more water resistant so that even though it's not yeah. covered, and this is what they've done, if you drop it in the toilet, 
there's a good chance it won't be dead now where, you know, five years ago that wasn't true. It was going to be dead right, right away. There's a pretty good chance it won't be dead. And that if you need absolute guaranteed, I want to take this snorkeling in Hawaii, you get, and they're available on Amazon and they're pretty cheap, you get a waterproof case and then you use it in the waterproof yeah. case and it's yeah. okay. And that yeah. sort of solves the problem without forcing every single owner of this product to go through a transition. And right. again, this makes me feel very confident it won't happen, except I felt this way about the headphone jack. So, right. yeah. And and speaking of the headphone jack, this would also mean that they'd have to put AirPods in the box with the iPhone. Um, yeah, unless there unless was some they... other weird magnetic uh, something or other, or they made a cheap AirPod, or I don't know what. Like, or they just right? said, if you don't already own AirPods, guess what? You're spending another hundred and some dollars. I mean, it's not, you know, and presuming if this debuts only at the pro end, we're talking about $1,000 plus phones, and assuming that by 2021, the current lower end current $159 AirPods are actually a lot cheaper for Apple to make. It's maybe not preposterous to think they'd include them in the box. Yeah. But then on the other hand, it feels ridiculous that for those of us who already own iPad, I, you know, uh, uh, AirPods that I don't want, I, I always felt a little wasteful getting all the extra wired earbuds that I didn't use, but this, that seems extra use useless yeah you know? yeah i can't see them doing it um and let's not forget they also would need to put a charging solution of some kind in the box and again right chi char charger in the box doesn't seem right but you know maybe they could make a cheap one or do they have an alternative charging mechanism and what is that and like it's a, not unsolvable but like complicated problems to solve which brings me back to why are we doing all of this again and uh, i still don't know it, it's a fascinating rumor, and, it, it, you know, sometimes people latch on to stories, and I don't know why, but I can see why this one exploded on Twitter. With <laughs> Sure. And, you know, people get mad. People are, like, mad at Apple about it, and it's like, we don't know right. Apple's doing this. Like, I, I think right. it's a good intellectual exercise because maybe they are, and it's nice right. to ask, like, okay, if they are, why? And what would that mean and all of that? But, right. like, we're talking about September 2021 here, and yeah. it's one report. So for for all we know, this is a different product, or it's just a test, or yeah. it's something that was misunderstood, and this isn't going to happen. Um, you know, or or it's true, like the headphone jack. We just don't know. All right, Jason, thank you. I thank you. I thank all of our sponsors. We let me see how I can do it off the top of my head. No notes. I'm not looking. You have to trust me. I got my eyes closed. Express VPN. Where it's a great VPN for your phone or, or computer. Uh, Linode, where I'm now hosting during Fireball, where you've been hosting Six Colors, a great web yeah. host with great Linode prices. Linode is the premier hosting for movable type and also other things. <laughs> <laughs> also, they're hiring if you go to their career site. Uh, and last but not least, oh, now I'm drawing a blank. It's with a C. Not with a K. It's with a C. Uh, nope. Drawing a blank. Oh. I'll get to get my notes. What's my something, notes? Something bank. ClearBank. Oh, my God. ClearBank, where you can go to raise 10000 to $10 million in 20 minutes with a term sheet. ClearBank. Uh, I should have known it with the C because it ends with a C, and that's yeah. the unusual nature of it. Well, my thanks to them. Jason, everybody, I told, I'm i telling you right now, you want to listen to Upgrade 275 because there's, there's really a lot more in there. Honestly, a lot more on the jack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, six colors, and you can spell colors any way you want. Dot Pretty com. much. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, like Daring Fireball, hosted by uh, Movable Type. It's software from the last decade, almost two decades ago now, uh, but still doing its job. 
Oh, doing a great job. Uh, and at everywhere at Six Colors, you can find Jason's writing elsewhere, including his his MacWorld column this week, where he <laughs> made people angry by telling yeah. them they don't want a Mac Pro <laughs> or they don't need a Mac Pro. But yeah, they can want it. Wanting's fine. Just you don't yeah. need it. Just admit to yourself that you want it more yeah. than you need it. It's fine. Oh man! All right, my thanks to you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, John.